Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor trained in trauma and addiction. The Asking Why podcast is for anyone on a journey of healing and restoration. If you are searching for answers to life's questions and want to learn more about root causes from a psychological and theological mix, this show is for you. In this podcast, myself and a co-host from Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness will interview guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clintdaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. All right, episode 47 of the Asking Why podcast. We have been on a little break, so I'm sorry for our listeners who've had to wait like three weeks to get a new episode. Um, My family, as we talk about parenting today, uh, has been sick and we have little kids and it has just been, um, you know, they're little Petri dishes and they bring everything home and then Mm -hmm. we get half of it and then we get all of it and then it's just been back and forth. And so um, with COVID going around and the whatever the new variant is, we just wanted to be safe and kind of stay off the the air and also I couldn't talk and so you know there wasn't much I was going to be able to say without hacking a lung up so I am going to probably cough a little bit today during the podcast so I apologize for that um anyway let's get started we got Mary Kate back again today Mm -hmm. Uh, Mary Kate's a therapist over in our Ruston office and she is an LPC she's a play therapist PLPC PLPC, that's right you're working on it yep when do you get your license (laughs) in the future nice (laughs) Right. Between well, kids and you're pre- <laughs> that's right, right. <clears throat> Due to the podcast that we'll do today, it's like just with kids and you know working on licensure. I'll get there probably in about two years. Yeah. So for people to understand that uh, licensure means that she's going through the licensure process right now. So provisionally licensed is what PLPC stands for. Mm-hmm. So you have your masters and you're just doing your hours and you know counting supervision. those up and supervision and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. You're yeah. a real deal therapist and full blown therapist. But. Yeah. Just for the public safety, we just have a lot of hours to put in Absolutely. before you're licensed. <clears throat> it's a good thing. You know, we talked about it before when I was a uh, provisionally licensed therapist. Uh-huh. Um, it was called counselor intern. And so it was the worst because you would, you like you're licensed, you're just provisionally licensed. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a counselor intern, you're like leaving an internship and then you're now a, a big boy you right. know, with a master's and working, yeah. you know, and but you're still an intern. And that and, sounds like, you're still learning. Oh yeah. It sounds like, way off. I mean, you, you know, it sounds to the public. It's like, Oh, you're an intern. Like I definitely don't want to see you. Right. Right. Yeah, let me get somebody who's at least provisionally, you know, has a license. Like provisionally licensed <clears> sounds. Like, oh yeah. That does sound better. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. For those listening, that's kind of what that means. Um, all right. So we're going to talk about parenting today and we're going to talk a little bit about understanding the child's brain and we'll talk a little bit about Christmas and maybe some things that, uh, mm-hmm are going on during the holidays that parents are listening, dealing with and frustrated with, or maybe some new ideas to do things for uh, folks that are, you know, tired of doing things the old way. Yeah. Or you find yourself just frustrated with the holidays and prepping yourself for all that that will mean. Oh yeah. You know, absolutely. So Mary Kate, tell us who you are. And for those who haven't listened or uh, people who maybe have remind us. Okay. Um, I never know where to start on that. Um, well, I'm Mary Kate Cortez. I live in Ruston with my husband. We actually had our seventh anniversary Monday. Nice. Um, 
and we have two kids. We have a three-year-old little girl, 18-month-old little boy. And so similar to what Clint was just saying, just in the middle of it with kids. And so this is something, just personal experience of just what it's like to be a parent. And there's a lot there. Mm -hmm. um, but then also as I'm working towards becoming a registered play therapist, which just takes time, um, just learning a lot about kids and how they operate along with just, you know, all the trainings that, you know, we've all done of just how to understand the brain. I think it's more neuroscience comes out and the more trainings we take and that's kind of integrated into it. That's a thing. A lot of therapists, hopefully, are just kind of in that world of understanding it and just the books we're reading. Um, so that's just to kind of give some, you know, context for just coming into the podcast, the personal and the professional, um, that's there. And so, um, I used to teach, I taught third grade for two years. Mm. Um, bless them. And my husband's also in the school system. Um, and it wasn't a good fit. And so, um, went and got my master's in counseling. And so, and I've said this before on the podcast, but literally by the grace of God ended up in Clint's office. Literally. I think it was two years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, like in December, yeah. um, sitting down with you and you, um, you know, throwing out to open a practice in Ruston, which yeah. felt like that was just not even possible. Mm -hmm. like, I was just so surprised by that. So it's just been really fun to get that going, you know, and the team that we have there. So we just, you know, added another uh, integrated wellness member. Um, we have Jess with life coaching and then Rachel and dietetics. And then we have two other counselors. And so um, Olivia and Tyler, and it's been really fun Yeah, just to have that. We're all Louisiana tech grads <clears throat> and just love the community there and love being able to be a part of it in some really cool ways. Um, and so, and we need another therapist in Ruston. So do. if you're listening to this yeah, or an integrative wellness person, if you want to partner with us over there and, uh, you know, you want a good work environment and mm -hmm. yeah. And that's one of the things that you told me when we met, like, Hey, you're going to get, we'll get this started. And the Lord will definitely like, he will be in it all, which I didn't understand all of that at the moment. And I was like, uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> like, like, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, just seeing how the practice has grown. And so we're full and, um, needing, especially with play therapies, like I can only take so many clients, especially in the afternoon, just needing some help with that. So yeah, we would love to have another therapist just to refer to, mm -hmm. um, because there's just something really neat about keeping it. <clears throat> not that there's not therapists outside of our practice that I don't trust, but just in house, I'm like, I can definitely verify this is a solid person right? and you will be taken care of well because therapy is a hard thing to step into. Oh yeah. You know? And so even in my own life trying to do, you know, therapy, <laughs> it's like I'm in this world and I can find it hard. Mm-hmm. Um, to step into and to find somebody I trust. And so I can only imagine what it's like when you're not in the world of yeah. therapy and you don't know what you're looking for or what you're going to need out of it. So I know this is going a different direction, but how, how has that been for you as a mom and a wife going to therapy? Can you talk a little bit about the maybe barriers or um, yeah, how that's improved your parenting, improved mm -hmm. your wifing? Yeah. Every time I think about counseling, I just want to cry. I just feel so vulnerable every time I step in there. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to be on the other side. <laughs> Let me take your spot. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's been really good. Um, yeah, there was barriers going into it. I think because as a mom, you're kind of like, when do I have time for that? Like I have kind of developed my schedule. Um, I work part-time specifically so I can spend more time with my kids um, because of how it's set up. We get that luxury and it's mm -hmm. really great. Um, but that means that I want to keep it. I protect the time of my kids, like at all costs. So I don't want to take the days off to go to counseling. 
Um, but then I want to take the days that I work and really work. And mm-hmm. it's really hard for me to feel. I remember thinking like, I don't have time for this, which is literally everybody's excuse. Right. And I can't be like everybody else and say that if I'm going to, if I'm going to ask my clients to do the work that they're doing, I can't not do it. Yep. And so it's like, what is taking an hour out of my week? And so it happened to actually work out well, kind of during the work week when my kids are where they need to be, um, already, um, at daycare. And so that's been good and just committing to it, you know, um, you know, the cost of it, the financial side of just like, okay, I'm going to do this. Cause I also know that this person's worth it. Right. And so yeah, I think that's a huge thing <clears throat> too. Uh, you know, I talked to all y'all about going to counseling and I mm-hmm. want everybody here to be in therapy or at least meeting with a spiritual advisor or something. Um, because it, yeah, it's, there's nothing like being on the couch mm-hmm. on the other side mm-hmm. and remembering what it's like. Yeah, you know when your therapist yawns or when they're late or when mm-hmm. they check their clock or when they do whatever, right. and you're like, are you listening to me? Are you are you bored? Are you you know all right. the things our clients say to us, which mm-hmm. is nothing has nothing to do with why we check the clock. Right. It's just to make sure I'm not about to ask a very loaded question, <laughs> which I've done right. like three minutes before, and my client's crying, and I'm like. Oh yeah. <laughs> I got to wrap this up somehow. Yeah. People but, forget that we have to keep track of the time. Yeah. So we have our clocks strategically placed to where yeah. we just have to glance at it quickly. So you're not like, yeah. Oh, I'm, where's the clock and looking behind you. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like strategically of, like, yeah, yeah. Like pulling my sleeve up. Oh yeah. It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Or even being asked to why being challenged and being like, I don't know. Stop asking me. Right. Like, or I don't really want to go there or cry. Like I never understood why clients would, apologize for crying and that's what I'm like I'm so sorry I'm doing this yeah. even though I know that's why therapy is there right. um, so it's just helped me have a place to process and just even my own counselor helped me even with the holidays I was describing my kids and what they were like especially the day after um, my husband went back to work which my oldest always struggles with she loves routine and she loves her dad and mm-hmm. so she'll wake up where's dad it's like and you know where he like he's at work mm-hmm. and she struggles and so my counselor is just helping me understand even though I know this stuff, it's just something about having somebody else in the room say like, let's take a step back and look at the holidays Yeah, and like, let's look at what the routine was like for your kids. Mm -hmm. Well, and that was a great comment. We'll get into this, but, um, you know, saying, well, she does know where he is. It's like the reality Mm -hmm. is she doesn't. Right. Right. Like we, we forget that. I mean this today Mm -hmm. when we were getting, I was getting ready because I told them I'm off two weeks, Mm -hmm. you don't have to do anything. And then I was, he's like, are you going to work? And I was like, oh yeah, I have to do the podcast today. Really? That's it. You know, and I'll be home this afternoon. And this is the only thing I'm doing. Right. When he was like so confused in this morning, they were asking to play Nintendo switch and we don't let them play it except for on the weekends. Right. And cause they had no clue what day it is. Cause they hadn't went to school since, you know, whatever. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> so they're mad. They're like, wait, we're supposed to play. And I was like, no, Grady, you know, mine are four and seven, two boys and Grady and Jude. And, uh, and he's like, uh, but it's the, the winter or the, what do you say? It's Christmas break. We don't get yeah. to play Nintendo every day. I'm like, no. Yeah. You know? Well, they're trying to place it. And that's yeah. what, like, cause I'll even say, you're, you know, some of them will do some play therapy lingo back to her like mm-hmm. so you're wondering where dad is right and she'll say he's at work i'm like you know where he is yeah can he, you explain what you mean by that um the play therapy lingo yeah like, like what that means yeah like what you were doing in that scenario um so i think a lot of it is our kids are wonder they're saying something almost different than what they're saying mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah so when my kid says and isabella she's my oldest um she's like you know she'll ask me several times where's dad and you know in that i'm frustrated because i'm giving her the logical answer he's at work in that she's saying she misses her dad mm-hmm. and she wants him home right and so i'll say you're wondering where he is because that's what's happening she's wondering you know he's 
um, in social state. He's at work. I'm like, and you really wish he was here. Because that's what she's saying in it. Right. So you're giving her the language. Yeah. yeah. I'm connecting the, you know, we'll get into that with the brain, just how that structure, but that I'm giving her the language that she does not have and, yeah. the, and the feelings. I mean, she doesn't really know what she's feeling. Um, yeah. I'm, fu- I'm front feeding an example so we yeah. can go back to it yeah. as we go. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> um, so yeah. So in that, it takes me a lot to slow down enough to do that because even though I, it's very easy four to five minutes in a play therapy session, that's my job is to like, I'm here to reflect what you're feeling and what I think you're, you know, what you're thinking. But, um, to do that in day to day life is hard. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, like I even, I took Isabella to my playroom. I had to go print something off at work over the weekend. And so she loved the playroom. Like, there was just something about the playroom, mm-hmm. the sand tray specifically. And so I left her for a minute to go print something. I come back and her sand tray is filled. I'm like so proud of her. <laughs> like she did nothing. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. Um, tell me, you know, I wonder what you were doing here. The wonder, the I wonder statement is just so different than saying why. Mm-hmm. They don't know why they're doing something. But when right. you wonder out loud, it does this really cool thing where they respond to you in it. And so she's telling me about her scene that she created. And so, and I'm reflecting feelings like, oh, you're scared of the army men because they were the bad guys. No, I'm not scared. I mean, it's just like, even as I'm wondering, like just stating things, she's kind of reflecting things back to me. Mm-hmm. And she's how old? Three. Yeah. Uh, three and a half. So, I mean, she's pretty articulate. Um, she's your typical oldest. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really know if she thinks that we have things under control. Yeah. yeah. Like she was making Well, sure. that doesn't get any better. Grady's <laughs> seven and he, you know, thinks we don't know how to do anything. Yeah. I mean, like even in the sand <clears throat> she's like, I'm feeding my babies. Do not wake them. I'm like, you're really worried. I'm going to wake your babies up. Yeah. Don't wake them. I was like does she know I've done this right. like, with her? <laughs> yeah. You know, you're my baby. Yeah. I'll say, you know, she'll, yeah, exactly. I could go tangents. So many stories that go off of oh, that, yeah. but feel free. We got plenty of time. So I just say that to say, even like it takes me even putting my kid maybe in a playroom to slow down. Mm-hmm. To, and I'm kind of in awe of what she's able to do, but then also how I get to come in and connect things for her. Um, and I don't do that in day to day life all the time. Yeah, no, as we do this podcast, when we've done these with parenting or me and you've talked or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm always like, ah, stink as a parent. You yeah. Know, that's what we don't want people to hear on here. We all right. feel like that. I think we, all of us, especially moms, but I can speak from a dad perspective, feel the parent guilt of I'm not doing enough. I'm not being therapeutic enough. I'm not. Mm-hmm. So I don't want people to take away from this podcast that like, we're giving you all this perfection to do and that right. everything we do in our house is this therapeutic <laughs> Zen environment. Yeah. Everybody loves each other. All Intervention. The time. Oh, mm-hmm. this morning I'm like, okay, I got to hold it together because, and they were acting insane. And I'm like, I got to hold it together because I'm going to a parenting podcast <laughs> with Mary Kate. And I'm right. not, I'm not, you wanting to use any of the things that I know I need to be doing. <laughs> right, right. Oh, I've gone, like, dropped my kids off and I've just, I lost it. I mean, just like before, you know, every parent knows what it's like to leave the house, trying to get everybody's stuff together, trying to get the kids in the car, being asked questions. They're all like, they can't do anything apart from you. Yeah, all nobody sudden. can put their shoes on. Somebody's mm-hmm. got to pee. I mean, right. just, yeah. And so I have, you know, my amygdala, which we'll go over, goes off. And I, then I have to go and repair that. Like I've sat in therapy session, like, do I need to drive back to daycare mm-hmm. and hug my child and tell her I'm sorry. And which I've already done that. Like those things have already happened, but there's just something like, I've been on the way to a play therapy session mm-hmm. after I've done that. And just the amount of guilt that can come with that of like, she's going to be in therapy one day and her therapist is going to ask her what I did for a living. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of questions, That's you right. know? <clears throat> and so anyway, I mean, that comes back to the repair part. So yeah, in this, I think both of our heart is not to feel like, I think parents can feel beat up. And I think our culture 
will kind of feel like, hey, parents, get your craft together and do this a certain way. Yeah. And in therapy, we can even tend to, we'll go back to the parents. Hey, how did your parents treat you? So it's important, but it's not to beat your parents up. You know, like I'll tell clients, like, you know, to honor your parents is just to tell the truth about what happened to you. Mm-hmm. It's not to make them out to be the villain in this because we can have some grace and understanding for what happened, like from where they came from. Um, but we also know as parents, it's just, you're not going to be perfect in it. Yeah, for sure. Know? I mean, I think when you, the, the most freeing thing as a child is to realize your parents did the best they could with what they had. Mm-hmm. And they were working from, usually working from a deficit from what they got and so on and so forth. So if you right. want to blame someone, understand, you know, once you've been in therapy for a while and understand how this works, which we'll talk a little bit about today, like, okay, well, your parents had parents. And so mm-hmm. what they did affected them, which affected you. And they right. had parents, you know, you can go back to Adam and Eve from right. a Christian perspective on who's at fault for there being brokenness and sin and historical right. issues in the world. Right. So it's not about blaming and making mm-hmm. a villain, but it is about honoring like these things happened and shouldn't have, mm-hmm. or these things, uh, you know, should have happened. Mm-hmm. And I, I wrote something the other day about trauma. I'm trying to think so I don't butcher it, but it was like, uh, you know, trauma is not just the things that happened to you that weren't supposed to. They're the things that should have happened that you never got to experience. Yeah. And, you know, I was trying to find a way of saying that succinctly that, um, that made, you know, we've talked about that a bunch, but Mm -hmm. it's like, Jesus intended you to receive this. Mm -hmm. Anything other than that has drastic consequences. Mm -hmm. They don't have to be life altering forever, but they're going to have an effect on how you parent, how you view kids, how you view, you know, all of those things. Which goes into you being able to understand your own story Mm -hmm. and how you were impacted. There is, um, in a book that I actually have right here, Anatomy of the Soul. It's pretty, it's good. It's just dense. But, you know, one of the number one indicators of secure attachment is a parent understanding their story uh-huh. and understanding how they're impacted because you're going to be kind of blind to how your parents affected you 100%. and how you're coming across to your own kids. Yeah. And what your kids are bringing up in you, mm-hmm. you know, and I think we just live right now in a huge culture. And again, if you're an older parent, it's not a, it's not a shaming or blaming. We have the benefit of therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like our parents, if your parents are 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or whatever, you know, all their childhood issues, there was not a trauma therapist they could go to when they were 15 Mm -hmm. or when they were 25 or even when they were 30. Right. You know, this thing we're doing with counseling and therapy and trauma and understanding the brain and all the things, it's very new Mm -hmm. historically. Right. But a lot of times we're like, oh, why didn't they get their stuff together and then parent us? And it's like, well, they didn't really even have the opportunity. And they were surviving. Yeah. Literally, like... through wars. Absolutely. You know, like, and we've talked about this when you kind of go back to it, it's like, well, they were just happy to get food on the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were going through the great depression. Like, we would make fun of our grandmother for, you never knew like what was expired or not. Cause it would be in old like mm-hmm. containers. But then I remember my mom saying she lived through the great depression. So she was going to save everything. Mm-hmm. And it just had so much grace with that. It's like, Oh wow, we're giving her a hard time for something, something that was really a coping skill. Right. And so if you understand your parents' story, Mm-hmm then you can put it in context of your own story right. and and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But again, that takes a lot of work and a lot of time. It does. So I think, you know, the I'm, I'm, I'm teaching our Sunday school at church right now, parenting, like doing like an eight week thing. Cause most of us have little kids mm-hmm. And the first two sessions have been me talking about like, hold on, you got to understand you first right. before I can start telling you what to do in these right. parenting situations. Cause it's always right. going to go back to that. Right. Right. In your own experiences and how, you know, how, I mean, I just keep thinking, I think Dan Siegel uses the feel, be, the sense of feeling, I'm about to butcher it. Um, Nobody knows. Feeling felt, is that how he says it? I think so. 
um, I've said that to a client and they just, it made sense to them. I don't even know how to put it into words, but that sense of, you know what it feels like. Um, somebody's sensing what you're sensing. Mm -hmm. You have a sense of feeling felt. And so I think if you don't know what those things feel like, how can you do that for your kids? Right. You know? Yeah. Or how can you know how important it is? Mm -hmm. Right. How vital it is to feel known and to feel seen and to feel heard. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times, you know, I have a client I'm working with right now. We were talking about it yesterday or the day before. And, um, <clears throat> if she's listening to this, she'll know she is. Um, <laughs> but, uh, shout out to you girl. Um, but you know, uh, we're talking about family systems and, and she, you know, she does, doesn't feel heard in her life. Like mm -hmm. she'll express an emotion and a family member will say, you don't feel that way or no, you know, you don't, or that's not how that happened. And, and that's been her whole life, you know, and now she's an adult married yeah. and all those things. And, and so she doesn't even know that mm -hmm. she can ask for what she needs. Right. Well, she probably doesn't even know how to trust what she feels or well, what she may need right. because she was told that she didn't. Exactly. You know? And so it's like, she, Oh, I, I have this feeling. No, you don't. You know, mm -hmm. she tells herself that. Right. And so before it even gets into the conflict in marriage or with her kids or wherever, you know, it just spirals. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were kind of taking that apart. And once she had that realization, then in the moment she was able to go, okay, hold on. I'm feeling this thing mm -hmm. that's coming from what I grew up in, but that's not how I have to live now as an adult. But you can't do any of that work if you don't, mm -hmm. you know, if you haven't unrooted right. the issues. Right. So it's, it's a, it's, it takes work to be able to control these things. You can't just tell people parenting strategies and tips. I mean, there's a lot right. of books out there on what to do. Right. Right. And I, even my, my eyes, eyes will glaze over when I hear stuff. I'm like, oh man, like, I just think I automatically just feel tired. And maybe it's that left brain, like logic of like, I get that, but I need you to help me at least validate that this is hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, that's why when we hear really funny parenting memes or anything, it just does something for your soul that oh, you're yeah. like, yes, you feel validated. I feel so validated. And so, and it doesn't have to end there, mm -hmm. but that no one starts there. Yeah. I sent JC, uh, my wife, uh, a little video or whatever. And it was this woman and she was like, my husband. And then she like walks around the house and like throws her socks on the floor next to the hamper and opens all the drawers and pees all over the toilet right. and shaves in the sink and leaves it. it. Yeah. It's like 20 things. Right. And she just, we were dying. And those, those used to make me mad. You know, they like I, I'd see them and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, like shame all the men in the world, you know? Right. And now I just laugh at them. Cause I'm like, yeah, I, I'm better than that. Right. It's an overgeneralization. Right. But it ain't too far off on my bad days. You know, like. <laughs> like, it may have some truth. Yeah, 100%. You know? And it doesn't mean, again, and that's been in our relationship, our trust is like, it doesn't mean she thinks I'm a terrible husband. It's just right. be honest about it. And I was telling her this weekend, I said, you know, I had something happened. I don't remember what it was. And it was one of those typical things I would have gotten defensive about. And mm -hmm. she came in and was like, hey, you were just laughing. I was like, yeah, I don't need to be Jesus for you. You know, I, I used to want to be perfect. So okay. that you would feel safe and so that you would feel loved and so you would feel all these things. Uh -huh. Perfect parent, perfect dad, perfect husband. Right. Now I know you know better. We've been married 12 years mm -hmm. uh, on the 12th. You know, like okay. it's, uh, I, was about, I was like, did I do that right? Because I haven't <laughs> said it out loud. Yes, 12 years on the 12th this year, this month. Um, and the reality is, is like she knows me better than anybody. So I'm, I can't fake it. Right. You know, and all that does is cause conflict. Cause right. The reality is she knows I leave my crap everywhere. Right. And there's a sense of safety and just kind of being able to be, that's almost vulnerability to just not mm -hmm. make fun of each other, but to kind of give each other no, you like gotta make fun of a itself. hard, yeah. I mean, we do that. We kind of kid around like, he'll give me a hard time. Steven can do that. And I think it's funny if I do it to him, it gets his feelings hurt. Oh, so yeah. it's like, but like going through that is just, there's, but being able to laugh together. Mm -hmm. It's like, 
you know, you know, I love you, but also, yeah. Oh yeah. But you know. drive me crazy <laughs> right. and I can't stand you and I don't understand how you do life. <laughs> like, you know, right. <laughs> like how have you, how have you made it this far in yeah. whatever area it is for me, you know, for her, it's different and for me, it's different, but it's like, you just look at the other person and you're like, why would you ever do that? Right. Right. That doesn't even make sense. Just do it my way. Right. The right way. <laughs> the right way. <laughs> That's the same thing with parenting. You know, it's like right. you, you see these videos and they're so validating to mm-hmm. your parenting. The, my, one of my favorite ones is the whole, like, uh, it's a vacation when you get out of the car and you walk around to the other side. You can take a little mini vacation. <laughs> we like put our kids in the car before we go to church and both step inside for a minute. We're oh, like, a hundred percent. So quiet. Oh yeah. I'm like, or, I'm going to get some coffee. Like, I got to pee. Right. Right, yeah. right. We'll both just stand there for a minute. Like, oh, that feels so good. It was also validating when your spouse is also like, yes. Oh yeah. I needed this too. Yeah. We were talking you about know. this before, you know, sometimes I think, in order to like handle our own stress and our own anxiety and our own perfectionism and all that st- stuff, we end up really triggering and upsetting our spouse because we invalidate them right. by not just being honest about our feelings too. Right. You know, a lot of times we're like, well, I'm going to hold it together and show them I'm a good spouse. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to tell them this is hard. I'm not going to complain because mm-hmm. they complain so much. Mm-hmm. And right. then, but you really feel that way too. And then they just feel crazy. And then it's just, you know, cycle. yeah. And so sometimes, yeah, it's nice to just be like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is crazy. They're insane. Do you right. want to give them back? Like, what What do you want to do here? <laughs> can, give we, them can we leave them? <laughs> can we leave them here and just go to Target? You know many, yeah. Do you think they're old enough? They're seven. <laughs> I guess it's like an SOS. You think yeah. they can do something Smoke like that? Signal in the back. Right. Right. Because, well, sometimes in parenting it can be hard, but especially from a mom's perspective, because we usually do have our eyes on so many details of it all. We can tell dads how to do their job. And there's, mm-hmm. I mean, we've had conflict over this where I'll tell him how he needed to respond. Mm-hmm. He was maybe too intense. But then he'll be doing the repair process of holding our son or holding our daughter. And I'll step in the middle of it. And like, no, no, no. Let me have him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're, That'll burn. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, well, he's, I mean, rightfully so. Stephen has stood up for himself and said, let me take care of them. Yeah. But I think that that can even, like, there's just so, there's so many ways for spouses to miss each other. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, you're not doing it the way I would have done it. And some really good ways, like dads don't need to do it like moms do it. Right. You know, like that's not to be that both don't need to learn, but moms are nurturing in one way and dads are just different in another way, but they're still equally good. But I think, and it probably even goes back to culture. Moms are elevated. I think I'm processing this out loud with how they interact with kids versus how dads do. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Say that again. Like, I feel like how, moms can interact with their kids that's seen as like a better way uh-huh. than how dads may interact with their kids and dads may for sure it's seen that way yeah, yeah. and dads may not really i think that's easy for dads to almost want to take a step back because it's like well i just don't do this well what's well, what's happened to our culture yeah it's it, we've had men who have been to war for two generations three generations who have emotionally numbed out and been you know traumatized mm-hmm. we've had women who have stepped out of the house into the into the workforce because of that and mm-hmm. then we switched it all back mm-hmm. and then yeah men were unemotionally didn't know how to do it don't know how to parent don't know how to connect and mm-hmm. and moms too i mm-hmm. mean there's a huge generation of women who don't right. know how to connect or attach either right um and and so yeah then dads have abdicated their roles in some ways because mm-hmm. when they step in, mm-hmm. they don't know how to do it, but they're doing the best they can. And mm-hmm. then they get their hands slapped or they get mm-hmm. shamed. Whether that's happening or they feel it doesn't really matter. Right. The consequence is I'm stepping back and I'll just let you do it. Yeah. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but it's, no. the, it's the dishwasher conversation. It's, Hey, 
I'm, I've loaded the dishwasher. I spent 30 mm-hmm. minutes cleaning them and putting them in there. Mm-hmm. And then you come in and go, well, you didn't do this right. right. Or you don't even say anything. You just redo it. Mm-hmm. And then the husband feels, you know, emasculated and not mm-hmm. appreciated. And he walks off. And the next time the dishes are dirty, he's like, I don't want to feel rejected and yeah. shamed. So I'll just not do them and let you do them. Right. And, and sometimes the spouse is like, good. Right. I'll right. just take this over. But then now they're resentful and feel alone. Well, yeah, because eight, eight, eight dishwashers later, they're mm-hmm. like, well, I do the dishes every time. Right. And it's like, well, I tried to do the dishes. Right. And there's just that, there's, right. those dots are not being connected. The communication's not happening. Right. And right. Then and that's then millions of people over the course of 10 to 20 years. Right. With 100 issues. With Yeah. Yeah. You're just hearing that. You're like, man, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a lot to unpack. But it's just, it's like it... You know, even in that, it's like, is there a willingness to let the other do stuff their way? Which is what, when we were talking about this before the podcast, yeah. it's like, it's okay that, I mean, even that takes some compromise. You may not do it the way I would do it. Yeah. And that's okay. Oh, absolutely. You know? I would say with the dishwasher, comment, just to wrap that up, I think the important part, because you can take this and put it on parenting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we said before, we probably get into some marriage stuff, because how can you talk about parenting without mm-hmm. some marriage? <laughs> um, but yeah. Our compromise is JC loves the dishwasher, you know, the dishes done a certain way. So I will do them to the best of my ability. And if Mm -hmm. she comes behind me and changes it, I'm just fine with it. I'm not going to quit doing it. Right. Because it's still helpful. Right. But at the same time, I'm not going to get offended that she wants them in there a certain way. And she, she's not going to go, oh, you're making this more difficult for me. She goes, thank you for trying. Yeah. And I'm like, because even if you tell me exactly how to do it. I'm not going to do it that way. I'm not going to do it that way. A hundred percent. But that takes work. Oh, that took... I mean, again, 12 years of marriage. Yeah. And yeah. Catches on the wrong day and somebody's mad about the dishes. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's such a big issue. I'm like, are you allergic to pans? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you did everything. I'm like, I'm so thankful for that. But also, <laughs> for that. Also, this thing that has gunk on it. Right. Well, even now, it was funny going off the dishes. Well, I'll say bath time or dishes. He's like, good luck. I'll go do dishes. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, nobody wants to do bath time. For I'm sure. like, why'd I give you the option? <laughs> <laughs> You know? Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, that's ours, too. We always constantly try to trade off whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who like, wants the worst? I'm like, do you want to walk the dog or do this? Or do you want to go to the store or do you want to do this? Right. You both look at each other because you know that <clears throat> you want the other. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want the same thing. So. That's hilarious. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some parenting. So, um, what are some ways that uh, we can understand? Let's talk about the brain for a second. So, I think one of the one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this, and I know you did, too, is mm-hmm. that. We have, like all the things we just talked about, historically, parenting has just been kind of non-existent. There hasn't been this big conversation about parenting. And so Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about this on another podcast, but I'll dive into it some. But, you know, 1950s is when child psychology came around and we started looking at how the parents, the adults, affect the child through their relationship and through their system. And that that's kind of blew into, you know, Pavlov and, and all these different things that helped us look and see how do we control essentially our kids behavior and outcome. Mm-hmm. And me and you would say, that's really not how parenting is supposed to work. We wish it did. Right. <laughs> yeah. Be, or maybe it, it is effective to a degree, but like what's the end result? Exactly. Like, what are you trying to get out of it? But at that time we didn't understand their brain. Right. We didn't understand how it functioned. We didn't understand the brain in general in an adult, much less right. a child. I mean, a few years earlier than that, we were literally cutting you know, soldiers brains open in order to help them with PTSD. So we weren't very far from that Mm -hmm. when we defined the word parenting and started looking at it from a psychological perspective. Right. So since then, which hasn't been but 60, 70 years, 
we've learned more about the brain and been able to do MRIs and study and all mm-hmm. these kind of things without having to cut into a kid's brain. Mm-hmm. So why is that important to understand? And then let's talk about what that looks like. Okay. Um, our kids' brains um, work differently than ours because of just developmentally where they are. And so that's kind of like a no-brainer. I think we would all say, yeah, our kid, like, have you ever felt like you're talking to a wall? You know, like when you're, right. like, really telling your kid how they don't need to do something, they're like, so can I have applesauce? You're like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you heard anything I said because they didn't. Yeah. You know, like, so I think we have these preconceived notions of how our kids should respond, and I think understanding their brains helps us know how to meet them where they are. And mm. that doesn't mean they get to run all over us. They don't get to run everything. I think that's a core fear of yeah. specifically Christian parents. Like I want to show that my kids can listen. Mm-hmm. They're respectful and they're, they're just, obedient. They're obedient. Yeah. Um, we want like little yes men and women. <clears throat> yeah. And so, and I get that to an extent. Like we want our kids to have respect for our elders. I mean, like for the people, for the parents, for you know. But let's understand how they work. So if you're going to look at the brain, and I know you've had this on the podcast several times, so this sure. is kind of redundant, but not at all. Um, you know, even looking at the whole they brain don't child. Remember it. Yeah. <laughs> It's like new information. Yep. The whole brain trial really explains explains a lot of this. Like as I was going through the book again, I was like, this is just such a good resource. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the bottom part of your brain. It's your fight or flight. And that's actually that part in the right part of your brain, which is, you know, your feeling, your emotions. Those are developing pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, zero From, to five. Yeah. Zero to four. Right. And so that's fight or flight. That's um, intense emotions. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's why you have tantrums. Your left side's it's there. It's just not developing as fast. It really has an explosion. I mean, you're looking at those word explosions around. You have two, three, those why questions. They're trying to make sense of their world. Mm-hmm. You have the prefrontal cortex, which is going to be your reasoning. It's why, you know, when you ask your teenager where their brain was at, they didn't have one. You know, right. that prefrontal cortex was just not able to fully process. If I do this, then this will happen. Right. Um, and that's not even fully developed till mid twenties. I know you said even with technology, that's probably even later. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's looking at 27, 28 and a lot of, a lot of young adults. Yeah. And so if you look at that, <clears> it's <throat> like, you know, I always tell clients this in terms of whenever my three-year-old has a tantrum, never once have I been able to logically tell her why that was not okay. Hmm. And her come out of it. Like say, Isabella, that's ridiculous. I can't believe you're doing that. She has never once popped up and be like, you're right. If only you had said that in a clearer way before, I think I would not have my tantrum, you know? And so understanding their brain and like our brains in general, like this is the same across the board. You need to connect to the right brain first. And the research shows that literally will bring it down. It will calm it down to say, you're really mad right now, which is not your instinct as a parent to say that. Mm -hmm. Then you can come in with a logical side, the left brain side to say, hey, when you're mad, I'm wondering if you could like, can you come tell me what's going on with Mm -hmm. you? Like to give them the words because they don't have the words. And so I think, you know, we'll say they should know these things. Well, they don't. Right. And we've talked about this. Like, this is not something that they just know. So the discipline, the idea of teaching our kids and saying, hey, here's a good way of handling this to where you can get your needs met in a way that makes sense. Right. So go back to that word discipline, because I think as Christian parents, especially, you know, we and we're not going to get into a whole spanking, no spanking situation. But even Mm -hmm. as I say it, the fact that that's the only thing that kind of weighs heavily on the discussion is Mm -hmm. what's frustrating to me. Okay. Right, the spanking part. Yeah. Right. It's like that's what that's what when we when you say discipline, most mm-hmm. people's brains jump to corporal punishment. Right. Right. That's discipline. But the the word discipline comes, you know, from disciple, mm-hmm. which the root word is disciple, right. which means to teach. Right. And so we have to be able to teach our kids mm-hmm. things right. through the discipline. 
Right. So yes, you, we should discipline our kids for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and there should be a consequence for every action to some degree. Um, like I'm a, I'm a huge <laughs> proponent of if you tell your kids something, always say, and this is going to happen if it doesn't. Right. Like go over, look at them, make sure they're listening and say, Hey, if you grab the dog's ears again, mm-hmm. you're going to have to take a time out or you're going to lose your privileges with the dog mm-hmm. or you're going to have to go into the common corner mm-hmm. or you're going to have to do an extra chore. Right. So that when they do it and you go over there and say, Hey, what did we say? Mm-hmm. I was going to get in trouble. Yes. Right. Here's what's happening. Right. But so many times, and in my own life, I fail at this too, but so many times you're like, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Go to your room. Right. And they're like, I didn't know I was going to have to go to my room if I did that. Right. And in our heads, we're like, well, it shouldn't have mattered. Right. You should have known you shouldn't be doing it. Right. And know there's a consequence. Right. Yeah. So why isn't that right? <laughs> why? Well, I think. Well, let's not say right, but you know, why is that not effective? Um, my first thought was they don't know what right looks like. Yeah. And you they know? also don't remember. Right. The other 20 times you told them. No, I mean, that's like, again, referring back to anatomy of the soul, like there's a reason why you have to tell your kids things over and over and over again. Like there are neural pathways that are literally literally trying to connect Mm -hmm. to understand something. So it's not that they are premeditatively like trying to be disobedient, which I think is how we contend. Like we think it's like something against us. Mm -hmm. They meant to do that. They don't have that ability. That's a pretty high brain function to be able to know if I do this, I will tick off my parents and then it will be, then they're going to be so, you know, they're not thinking those things through. Right. They're literally like, this is fun. Right. So the word, like when people say my kid's manipulative and they're seven, right. They don't have a prefrontal cortex, so Mm -hmm. they can't do executive functioning, meaning Mm -hmm. they cannot think past Mm -hmm. their actions and their behaviors. Correct. Right. Right. And so even last night, this actually, um, you know, we have my son Hayes is, he screams at us when he wants food. It's pretty effective, mm-hmm. you know? And also I'm like, Oh, he's a baby. So he's, he screams and I give him what he wants and it stops him. Well, my daughter's watching the whole interaction who knows how to use her words. She, and two seconds later does the same exact thing as him. And that was actually a moment for me to be like, she saw it work. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was, Oh, like, again, it was not a manipulative action. It was a cause and effect. Yes. I saw, my brother do this and it works. So I had to slow down and say, wait a minute. Okay. Hey, like, and technically Hayes is old enough. I say old enough. I can start to teach him those things. Mm-hmm. We both will say, Steve and I were like, he does, he, he can understand what we're trying to say. Yeah. And so that's not to say he knows better. It's just, he's in a position to take in some of that information. And so I had to slow down and say, okay, that was not okay for me to do that. I gave it to him when he screamed, let's try to use our words. And so that was just, I think, one way that would have been easy. Be like, no, you know better. Mm-hmm. You know how to use your words. Or like, you just want to get what you want. Yep. And it was, no, I saw him scream, so I, I want to see if it works. <laughs> yeah, Jude, Jude's four, and his whole thing is whining right now. He's like using the baby voice, mm-hmm. and, well, you know, just doing that. And I'm, I'm trying to work really hard at not saying stop whining. You it's know, really I, hard because it's annoying. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Ugh, I want to tell him, you're being so annoying. <laughs> Uh, he'll tell me that. This is so annoying. This is bored. Yeah, that's his new thing. So he doesn't know how to say boring. Right. So it's bored. Right. Everything is, this is bored. I don't want to watch your show. It's bored. You know, and I'm like, like, oh tough. my gosh. You know, you don't get to watch TV anyway. Get out of here. Um, <laughs> he's crazy. Anyway, uh, but yeah, it's just, they have no concept of what's, of what's happening. And we project onto them these words. And I think the important part that I wanted to talk about this on the podcast was, we have to change our language when mm-hmm. it comes to parenting 
And we can't keep using words like manipulative mm-hmm. and they know better and discipline it only means spanking mm-hmm. because it doesn't encompass all that we now know about right. kids. Right. And so even, you know, coming from that of dis you know, when I was a play therapy conference back in October, one word that they used a lot, um, we talk about wanting our kids to be able to self regulate. Mm-hmm. Right. And so and that's even goals I'll set with clients. Like, you know, you want to be able to regulate yourself because it's not you're not able to do that. But what's that mean? Um, is being able, like whenever you're overstimulated, you're overwhelmed, you know, kind of how to bring yourself back down, but you wouldn't know how to, this is kind of where the conference came in. Like you wouldn't know how to do that unless you have experienced co-regulation. Uh-huh. You need another brain in the room to help you know how to kind of come back down off of that because you don't know how to do that for yourself. Mm-hmm. So we do that for babies pretty easily. When they cry, we pick them up and hold them and feed them and have a, a need is met and we are regulating with them. Um, and so even as you know, which is attachment. It's attachment. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it's saying, I'm going to show up for you Yeah. and I'm here and you're safe Mm -hmm. and you're loved. And, but that continues like our, you know, that doesn't just happen with babies. Right. Our three year olds need us to like help, you know, hold them and literally there's something I'll breathe with my daughter. Like let's Mm -hmm. calm down. And so, you know, your teenager needs that. Like even I think, um, when I was reading anatomy of the soul, it's like, we tend to think that our, um, Teenagers know how to do things because they do know they knew they know how to do a lot, but their brains are making just as many connections and just as many changes as a toddler mm-hmm. with sex hormones. So that's you know they're out of control. So they need someone to step in with them and help them understand what's going on inside of them because that's not something you can do apart from another person. Yeah, you know, and that's I mean that would go back to the gospel. You mm-hmm. know, like who God is of how He steps in with us and does life with us. Yeah. You know, so I think <clears throat> that that's pretty if I were to talk to parents about like how to help your kids, I think it's one is slowing down enough to help them regulate, help them understand what's going on inside of themselves before we immediately just want them to be these kids who automatically obey everything we say. Right. And so why do we want that? Are we regulated? I mean, our society's not regulated. That's right. what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I'm asking. I'm pointing to the fact that as parents, when we're overtaxed, when we're stressed out, when our marriages aren't, we can't communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. When we're running around like crazy people and busy and stressed out, and especially during the holidays, you know, losing our minds, mm-hmm. we have to first stop and, and realize, am I regulated? Yeah. You know, and, and mm-hmm. what does that mean? Right. It doesn't mean perfect, serene harmony. It can, mm-hmm. but it means, oh, how's my breathing? Right. What does my body feel like? Am I jittery? How many cups of coffee have I had this morning? Right. Right. How, where's my anxiety and where's my stress and, and what am I, what am I thinking about myself? Mm-hmm. Am I loving myself? Am I feeling secure? Am I feeling safe? Right. You know, am I, am I, is my view of God that he loves me and he's proud of me and pleased with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you needing to slow down? Yeah. And take a minute to rest or just, you know, go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and our kids pick up on that. They know how. They don't know how to state how we're doing, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you will see your kids react similar to where you're at emotionally. Yeah. Kids tune in whether they want to or not to how their parents are. Right. Because that's literally their survival mechanism. Right. Because they, from a very young age as a baby, they're nursing, they're attaching, they're connecting, mm-hmm. and that allows them to feel safe in the world and feel mm-hmm. loved and, and survive and function. Right. I mean, for millions of years, an animal would have eaten them or war would have broken out or something would have happened. Mm-hmm. We in the last 50 years don't have that same risk. Right. Yeah. 
And I think we've, we have, we, on one hand, if, if you're an older parent, sometimes they listen to this and they're like, Oh, all these emotions and all this stuff and whatever. It's like, yeah, we, we gotta be honest. We have the benefit right. in the hindsight to have the luxury and the comfort to be able to do this. Right. Yeah. We're able to do that, which in some ways, because we have so much luxury, it's not good. You know, yeah. that's like too much free time. But we also only lived a very short amount of time for all of history too. Right. We didn't live till we were 85 or 82 right. or 90. Yeah. For most of human history. Yeah. So our lifespan was much shorter. So the, the time to like have insight and have wisdom and have all these stages that we've developed in psychology over the last 50 years. I mean, it was never a thing. Yeah. Vastly different. Yeah. And a lot of things we're talking through, you probably are like, parents are probably already doing some of them uh-huh. It's just to help. I think when you can put words to what you're doing, you can help pay attention to it a little bit better instead of feeling like, you know, um, I'm always losing it or I'm always frustrated or I always feel overwhelmed. If you're feeling overwhelmed, that's whenever it's kind of, okay, what do you need to help you feel less overwhelmed? Mm-hmm. Um, but you're probably slowing down to ch- you know, when your kid hurts their knee, you're hugging them and helping them. It was just, it, this is kind of some ways just to put, like if you can understand what's going on in the brain, you just know how to approach them a little differently instead of just saying, hey, I need you to get up and suck it up, be a big girl, yeah. and go get your shoes on. Right. You know, and so, which I've done. Yeah. Um, and there are times to do. Yeah. It, it, you don't, the you know, the best option, the ideal option is not to do that, is to be able right. to co-regulate mm-hmm. and connect and attach and attune and then do the thing. Right. But sometimes you have to get your freaking shoes on and get in the car. Right. And so I tell people this all the time. I don't expect myself or you or anybody else to be a perfect parent because mm-hmm. you can't and live in the world. It's not a perfect world. What we're, what we're asking people to do is have enough insight and wisdom to do the right thing seven or eight out of ten times. Right. Because there, there are times where most of the time you can stop and take the extra 30 seconds. Right. And it may only be that. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I want people to know we're not saying sit down for 20 minutes <laughs> They don't want you to. Kids no. do not want you sitting down for no. 20 minutes. No, if it, they're really escalated and really triggered and they have some trauma, it may yeah. take that. Right? right. If you have a foster kid or you have an right. attachment issue uh, that's broken or there's been a death in the family, yes. Yeah. Those kids are going to need extra things than what the quote-unquote average kid, not that I think there, any of those exist, mm-hmm. but the kid without significant trauma are going to need. Yeah, that's a good point because as you know, whoever may be listening to the podcast, especially foster adoptive parents can feel like, you don't understand, you know, yeah, like that. We have to spend 45 minutes or yeah. three hours. Well, cause there's a real fight or flight yes. mechanism there that you're having to calm down. Like even the idea of play. And you're not their primary attachment figure usually. No. And you're trying, you're not, but you're also trying to develop that. That's, That's what a, I mean. Yeah. But you don't to, have the base. No. Yeah. No. And even like, if you even from a, I know this is kind of like a segue, but just to kind of include, um, just this group in there that can probably feel pretty isolated. Um, even learning about play, that's a higher brain function that you can't do until you feel safe. Right. So like kids can't come into my playroom until they feel safe. Mm-hmm. So like what we may expect from kids, even from trauma, is just going to have to be time after time after time. So yeah, it is going to just take longer to do those things. So that's to say like that is, that's there. Yeah. You know, that's not to neglect that, that, you know, you may need to take more. That doesn't make it wrong or yeah. Strange. It just means that when there's trauma and, and attachment wounds, it's going to take more work. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to dovetail that in there because there may be people who are like, oh, yeah, I actually have to take this mm-hmm. long. Right. Which, again, that's part of um, stepping into the role you're playing as a foster or adopted parent or a parent, a second parent or a grandparent of a kid or whatever the situation is, is that y- your life has to look differently. 
mm-hmm. and our culture doesn't adapt mm-hmm. to that with you and for you. And that makes it really hard. Right. You know, that you can't say, well, we were 30 minutes late because he got triggered mm-hmm. by car mm-hmm. seat or he got triggered by this thing or there was no right. food or, you know, whatever the issue is. Right. You know? Right. And I mean, even in that, um, it's kind of like, and you don't have an end in sight with that. I mean, in parenting in general, you don't, but especially when there's trauma, there's not like an end date of like when that won't feel like as much of a trigger yeah, or when they're going to feel safe or when, so it's just, you're sticking with it and hoping that your community can come alongside you with it and not make you feel like less of a parent because it doesn't look like a main, you know, like an, a typical child. hundred percent. You know? Um, so back to the brain. So we're talking about, you have to be self-regulated. Yeah. Um, and so, Kind of how does that, so zero to three, zero to four, mm-hmm. the kid's got right brain development, emotions, mm-hmm. art, uh, language, fantasy, um, and then their prefrontal, their left brain starts coming online mm-hmm. three and a half, four, but mm-hmm. not fully really online until about four and a half, five. And then what mm-hmm. happens? It's a really good question. <laughs> Like it continues to develop, you know, they're trying to make sense of their world and all of that. So Mm. what that means. And so the idea of integration is you're trying to help integrate their brain, um, to take all those pieces that are coming online and put them together. Mm -hmm. Um, so what that means is, um, you know, I think we'll, we don't tell our kids stuff because we don't think they can understand it, but they're picking up on stuff. Right. So, but they're going to make their own conclusions Mm -hmm. just like we all have. That's why, oh, this must have been my fault. No, it wasn't. But right. you didn't know any different. So what that means is when, um, you know, like if we have a fight and they see it, it's kind of like, okay, mommy and daddy were upset with each other. And you know, because they notice, you know, and it was not okay for a mommy to act this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I apologize and we love each other. And we, you know, like to help, I like to connect the dots in it for them. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to integrate the brain in a way that's like, hey, you're safe. You're okay. There's the bottom part your right side of like, let me tell you what you're feeling. Like that might've been scary for you. Um, but let me tell you, help you understand what that meant. And yeah. then to kind of carry it a step further of like, but here's what we know to be true in it. Mm-hmm. And so just the idea of that's ultimately what we want for our children is to have a integrative brain that can bring all those parts in. So it's not just dominant in one section. Um, and so you're going to continue to do that. And so you're going to think my six year old really doesn't know that they're going to go to that school starts next week. We're just going to jump into it. It's mm. like, it might be good to probably walk through, Hey, this is probably what this is going to look like. You know, when you notice some emotions, let me label that for you. Let me put some words to it. And just, um, that's kind of one develops the relationship between you and then it does really great things for their brain. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what else you're looking for. No, it's good. Well, I just think people, you know, we, we tend to can talk about our kids age and younger. And so for sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, even saying that it's like, I, um, <clears throat> That's with that middle school age, that high school age. Um, one thing that, you know, we talk about play therapy and we talk about what, why that's so good, especially from, you know, two, three to 12. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but even with your kids who basically play therapy, I've even done some filial therapy with my own daughter of like, you know, at home, I'll take 20 minutes and she gets to lead it. Um, and it's been really good for us, especially when she has a day where she is just not doing well, which I typically don't want to spend time with her then. Right. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to take away our playtime. That's not healthy. It's not good. Nope. Um, and so we spend time together and it does something different for us. Okay. So if we were to take that and put that into a context of a middle school or high school where they still need that, but it's going to look different. And so it's like, what would it, the idea of integrating even the brain and understanding it is they need experiences kind of with you. And especially what does it look like to give them some, um, you know, an opinion in it. 
what does it look like for them to lead it? And so kids don't get a whole lot of choices. Right. And so how do we help them do that? So, you know, is it baking cookies together? Is it going for a bike ride together? Is it fixing something together? And so um, I know you weren't saying specifically like what are things you could do, but I just think from an, as a parent, and I don't have kids this age range, but in terms of what I've learned about how you can connect with them, that's just a really good way to maybe slow some time down so it's not just, oh, they're on their phone in their room, apart from me, and I don't know how to connect. Right. It's getting them out and saying, we're going to spend 20 minutes together, mm-hmm. and this is something we're going to do um, that's going to be just good for y'all in general, but it's going to be something that they're, again, their brain needs that they don't know it. Yeah, I think I think parents, they think the things that take a lot of time, <clears throat> it's, it's, intention, it's being intentional more than it is time. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's like, I want to show you that you're – you're what matters, mm-hmm. and then I want to connect with you. Right. But I think one of the things I've learned over the last couple of years with clients, but in general, is is being an authentic parent too. Mm-hmm. Right. So we always say the three A's that kids need are attachment, um, attunement. So attachment meaning connection, attunement meaning I see you, I'm with you, mm-hmm. um, affirmation, mm-hmm. right? Hey, I love you. You're amazing. Affection, physical, you mm-hmm. know, attention. But they also need authenticity, and that means. Hey, I need a break mm-hmm. or, Hey, I'm not going to do this right now. Go play upstairs by yourself mm-hmm. or, Hey, you're going to have to figure that out, mm-hmm. you know, because I got something going on. And as they get older, there's this dance of, you know, they're really young. They need everything all the time. Mm-hmm. They, you, we feel like that. And then they literally do. I mean, mm-hmm. They need you to wipe their butt. They need you to change the diapers. They can't feed themselves. Right. And I think we will go back to husbands and, and wives or dads and moms. Like, I think the thing about those roles um, that's so unique is that, and again, it's on a spectrum, but for the most part, if I had them, they would probably starve. I wouldn't pay attention to when they needed to eat. Like things would be very chaotic because I wouldn't pay attention as much, Mm -hmm. but also like they would, they would learn to regulate better sooner and earlier. They would probably be a little bit more independent, Mm -hmm. but JC has them or mom has them. A lot of times the, all those needs are going to get taken care of, but mm-hmm. they can end up being more dependent mm-hmm. over time as they get older. Right. And it's this dance of neither one's wrong, mm-hmm. but it's working together as a couple mm-hmm. in each moment to figure out how right. do we do this best for them, not for my feelings. Right. Right. Especially. Not with what I feel comfortable with. Right. Which is a huge thing as a parent. Like, what am I making decisions on because I feel good about it, not because my kid needs it. Exactly. You know, man, Ooh, that's yeah. hard. Well, I mean, because even think about your, you know, your 16 year old who wants a license and you're like, well, you're not ready. Well, who's not ready. They may, they legitimately may not be ready. Right. Right. But there is like, even <clears throat> as you're saying, like, you know, older, there's going to be a fight for independent autonomy. Like that's good. That's healthy. Like you want that, but that's hard to let go of because you did just spend so much time literally doing everything for them. Oh yeah. Like blood, sweat and tears. And then I'm supposed to let them go. Like as a mom, I'm like, you know, I even watch shows now of, Somebody graduated, I'm already crying. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, no, please don't let that happen. But, and I think that even as a dad though, but like to say like, no, they can do this. Like I remember growing up, my dad had a certain amount of confidence. We could do things mm-hmm. and you can go off on your own, but we needed that. Whereas I'm sure my mom would have been like, no, you sure? Right. You sure you don't need me to bring you somewhere? You know, because she wants to spend time with us. And, mm-hmm. but um, like you were saying, they're not bad things, but they have their own place and understanding where your kid's at of, okay, how do you develop their sense of autonomy in that, that they can be trusted, they can make good choices, maybe kind of, you know, like yeah. within reason. Better. Yeah. And so, but like they need to develop their confidence and ability to do that. But they also need to fail. Right. 
you know, as they get older, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, mm-hmm. 12 through high school, they need to have opportunities to fail and mm-hmm. screw up and skin their knee and see that they can't do it and that they're not the center of the universe. Right. Early on, they need to feel like it. Right. I mean, they need that attachment. They need mm-hmm. to be the center of the universe. But mm-hmm. as they develop, they they have to learn independence and self-regulation, right? not co-regulation. Yeah. Co-regulation always is needed. We always mm-hmm. need to connect with other people. Right. But at some point, mm-hmm. right, they need to start learning to self-regulate. Yeah. And how to have empathy for other people and right. look outside of themselves. Ugh. You know, like all those things are needed and, they're, and they can fail, but in a safe environment. <clears throat> it's like, how can, like, I think we will get so scared of our kids failing. And I can only imagine once you're like really launching them out. But if they can fail when it's there is a little bit of a safety net, and that's not to say you're going to – when I say safety net, it's saying you're there to help them work through it, mm-hmm. not to save them from it. Yeah. Meaning if they make a mistake, that's kind of to be expected. Yep. Because they're still – like, they're humans. I think we forget that. Like, they are little humans who – like, I think we, if we enter parenthood, but they're just going to mess up and not – Yeah, their be, base is screwing up. Yeah. We have to teach <laughs> them to do the right things. Right. I try to remind – we try to talk about this all the time, but, like, if they lie, if they mm-hmm. do something, you know, if they're rough, if they mm-hmm. do something, whatever, it's like, well, they're supposed to do that. Right. And now we're right. supposed to teach them not to. Right. Instead of they come out as this little non-lying robot. And when they lie, it's a mistake. Right. It's yeah, like, yeah. no, no, no. The fact that they don't lie all the time is a miracle mm-hmm. that they tell you any truth ever. Right. Means they trust you and their safety and their security and their attachment. Right. Right. If they're lying to you all the time. You might want to check yourself in your relationship with them. And why they would feel the need to. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> and even just the idea of allowing your kid a redo. I know, like, learning this of, um, you know, when our kids mess up, we're like, you know, I can't believe you did that, and here's the punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, but they never got a chance to know what the right way looked like. So even last night when my daughter's not doing what I asked, which she actually did, like, I was at, you know, specifically, like, you this is what I need from you. It was not happening. Mm-hmm. So I just went ahead and put her in bed as bedtime. So she's crying. She, then she's talking like this baby voice. It's not going well. And I'm even like wanting to discipline, like you should have known. And I know not to do this, but I'm like, I'm going to use all my words right. to tell you why this was not okay. And finally I stopped. I was like, can we do a redo? And she was like, no, <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about. I was like, do you want to try this again? And she said, mm-hmm. so it's like, we got out of bed. I had her literally be on the ground. Like she was, was like, okay can you please get up and I can carry you into bed? And she did it. And I was like, wow, that was really good. Like how you, you listened the way that I asked you to, and I was able to carry you like you wanted. And so my husband was right there, you know, he was like, that was so good how you listened. But it's like, even in that, that was, used, that was the first time I've done that. It's not, and that's something I will do in the playroom. It's like, not my go-to. Yeah. But it gave her a chance to say, okay, this is how it could have gone. Mm-hmm. It didn't go well the first time. And nobody was really learning from it. Right. <laughs> I was just, you know, I'm frustrated. <laughs> She's like crying, you know, nothing is good about the situation. And so, but in, it was like, this is a way to teach you what it can look like and what I'm asking of you. Mm-hmm. Because when you, I don't even think she knows what obey means, even though we've told her. Of course not. You know, like we've said, like, this is what it means. But even that's like an abstract concept. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so. seven and eight and nine, it's still an abstract concept. Right. Like, again, I think that's where parenting is really hard. And it, mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of people and a, and a lot of support and it takes a, a good marriage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't have very much of that in our culture. Mm-mm. We don't have a lot of support anymore. We don't have a, a lot of good marriages. We don't have a lot of good communication between spouses. And so then we want the quick, easy fix. And there's mm-hmm. just not any with kids. No, it's you're in it for the long, long haul. Yeah. And also it's the shortest time of your entire life. Yeah. You have, you know, I mean, we had kids when we were... Uh, 30 something, 31. I did. I was 31. So I had 30 years 
Mm-hmm. And if I count 18 to 30, right, mm-hmm. I had, what is that? I'm terrible at math. 12 years. Mm-hmm. No. Yes, 12 years on my own to do whatever I wanted to, to watch however many movies I wanted to, to do whatever mm-hmm. I wanted to, to get my stuff together however I wanted to. And then I had kids. Yeah. And now I'm have, I still get to do some of that. But for mm-hmm. a large majority of it, even if you have healthy kids, you know, that gets put to the wayside. Oh, yeah. But then... 10, 12, 13, 14. I mean, they're always your kids, but mm-hmm. you start getting some freedom and some independence mm-hmm. and they do their own thing and they don't want right. you. So it's, you know, the, the time of like them being dependent on you and needing mm-hmm. you and being close with you. I know Chip's probably over there crying cause he's got older kids, but you know, it's uh you know, it's gone so fast. Right. And I'm trying to remember that right now in every moment when I'm frustrated or tired or whatever, mm-hmm. we were talking about that with Jude's four. And right now he's just still this little, you know, he's a baby, but he's kind of bigger. Mm-hmm. And I was telling JC last. He's still a baby, but he's bigger. You know I, I, mean? I get that. Yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. like he's got these squishy cheeks still, mm-hmm. and he still has these funny ways of saying things. And um, Like, don't ever change. But, man, I know now that I've had an older kid that that is gone in the next year. Right. And then the next year, from four to six, I yeah. mean, it's baby stuff is gone. Yeah. And Grady's seven, and the ship is it's totally sailed. gone on, be- on being a baby. Yeah. He's little. He's right. still a little kid. But the baby cute stuff and the sweetness and mm-hmm. the softness and all that, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, looks like a kid. He, like, oh, yeah. A kid. yeah. Yeah. No baby. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, man. Yeah. I, w- I don't want to lose that. Mm-hmm. And yet I also want that to get the heck out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> and there's this tension. Right. We look at know? pictures like a year ago. And well, we're like, oh, man. Like, how did that? Who you are just, these kids? Yeah. Yeah. You just... and. You know, as parents, you you know that like you see it happen. It just and that's why there can be we've talked. Well, I want to challenge people who don't know that. I think that's my point is that we're mindful of this because we're clinicians and we work all the time. And I'm sure there are lots of other parents who are right. But if you're frustrated and you have little kids and you're listening to this, be mindful that it is literally think about how short of a time Mm -hmm. period it is in your entire right independence life. Like if it's you're frustrated with time or date night or movies or vacations or whatever it is. This time is so, so small and so, so short mm-hmm. that making your kids a priority and, and attaching and attuning mm-hmm. will pay off dividends for the rest of their life right. while then you get to do whatever you want to as an adult again. Right. So you got to do it before for mm-hmm. all of your life and th- you got to be a kid and be dependent on, you know, hopefully, mm-hmm. and then then you'll get to do that for 40 years in your marriage after your kids are out of your house. Yeah, that's a good point. And when I said we know that, well, it's just the idea of there can be two of those things at once, like to yeah. hold that of this won't be forever. It's like, you know, today when my daughter's asking me for to pound it and high fives and kiss, you know, hugs before I leave and I'm late, I'm always late. <laughs> and it's, but it's like, she's not going to always ask for that. So no. I, I want to take the time <clears throat> to do that, you know, and, and then not guilt yourself if one out of 10 times you don't do right. it. Cause that's the balance. Right. Well, cause usually she's standing in the doorway, like trying to help me. It's not helpful. She's like, let me open the door for you. Don't worry about it. Get out of the way. (laughs) You're going to fall down the steps and you're going to cry, you know. Um, But. Then I have to (laughs) co-regulate. There's just so many steps. (laughs) That's exactly. I'm like, I didn't know that one person tripping could make me so frustrated. (laughs) But Well, that's why I get frustrated is because I'm like, I told you 20 times to leave the dog alone. He's going to bite you. It's not him biting you that's the problem. It's you're going to cry. Right. I have to stop doing what I'm doing. Come over there and soothe you. Right. It's a and process. then teach you a lesson about the dog again. It's a 30-minute process. And then about. you're going to do it again. Yeah, in literally five seconds. <laughs> like this conversation never happened. Every shirt that my kids have, my wife is so mad about this. Every shirt, literally almost every shirt, and I'm not kidding, I'd say 80% of them, have one little hole from the dog nipping the back of their shirt. And no matter what you do, no matter what consequences you do, when they're in front of that dog, it's they gonna- forget 
that they were crying because he bit them. You know, as a puppy. So squishy. Just oh yeah, like, you know, puppy. dude. I, right. Literally, I'm like, don't grab the dog's tail, buddy. Hey, buddy, do not grab the dog's tail. I turn, I get some water. I turn to like he's grabbing the dog's tail, looking at me, laughing. <laughs> I go. It's not funny, but no, also it's funny. I go over there. I'm like, dude, look at me in the face. Uh huh. I said, <laughs> if you touch the dog's tail again, you're gonna have to go sit and you know do a time in or whatever. Okay. I turn around at least two minutes and he's got the dog's tail. I see him run, but I'm like, Oh my gosh, now I have to go and enforce this stupid rule that I set. Right. There's like a computing issue. <clears throat> yeah. You know, we're kind of like, that's where I think as all parents, whenever we label things like disobedient or which I guess like they are not obedient, like that is disobedient. But like when I hear that, it's like an intentional act. Exactly. There is literally nothing in that story. Like I understand what you're saying. Cause I've been, you know, we've all been there. We're like, I literally don't think they understand the words coming out of my mouth. They don't. They don't, you know. Well, and they did know. And then whatever's in front of them is mm-hmm. shinier and bigger and nicer mm-hmm. than the the ability to mm-hmm. hold the consequence. Right. And the reason why. Right. And the right. idea that I might be upset or put out. Yeah. None of that's going on in their brain. No. So it's not an intentional act towards <clears> you. <throat> so that's just where it just takes the patience as a parent to follow through on the consequence. Okay, so now we have to go sit and like take some time away from the dog until we can learn this, but doing that over and over. Like it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong because you have to do it over and over and over again. Exactly. And also you have to take some responsibility and going, I got the freaking dog. <laughs> like I'm the adult, the idiot who agreed. And, I, and and my wife will say, you know, that she didn't want it, but she, her and the boys talk. I mean, I'm like, babe, you were on Instagram looking at, at dogs and like, you put a deposit down before you even talk to you me. You have about like it. your data of like when it all happened, like on January. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, I was you like, were on Instagram. No dogs. Yeah, and she's like, oh, I put a deposit down. She's like, it's refundable. I mean, I just put it down just in case, you know. And I'm like, oh, but I, I, but I wanted the dog. You but know? our kids, their hopes and dreams would be crushed if you and take I t- the deposit back. <laughs> we got in a good fight because we were uh, <clears throat> we were talking about this dog, and I said before we got it, I was like, you know what's going to happen. You're going to, we're going to get the dog. And then every day I'm going to hear about how terrible the dog is and how crazy it is and how much it makes our life miserable. And she's like, well, of course you are, but it's still going to be good for us. And I'm like, she's like, just know you're going to have to listen to me complain about it. You're like, we already know what's going to happen. I'm like, the okay. dogs. I agree to this scenario, knowing what's going to happen and trusting that it's going to be better. Right. Yeah. You know? We got two dogs before we got married, not married before we had kids. Yeah. It was that like after first year of marriage and Steven's like, if I only knew what I was agreeing to, Oh gosh. you know, <laughs> I was like, they do a lot of good things for me. I feel like my life is better. And he was like, I'm happy to hear that. It'll, it'll never happen again. <laughs> That's what like, I said too. And then, you know, after the few miscarriages and having a, you know, four and seven year old and feeling like, you know, they just, I remember being a little kid and getting our first dog. And when I was probably seven, and uh, and just I loved having a dog and connecting with it and mm-hmm. attaching with it and playing with it and taking responsibility for it and feeding it and walking it and all those things. So it's far better. And our dog's amazing. He is such a good dog compared to our other dogs that we've ever had. Uh-huh. Um, but it's just another thing to take care of. It's another thing. And so some days it's like, mm-hmm. why do we do this? Yeah. Yeah, I want to have all four of them in the house. I'm like, two of you got to go outside. I mean, it's the dog's. <laughs> yeah, whatever you know. two of you either two dogs <laughs> or a dog and a kid <laughs> however y'all want to work this yeah. out between y'all two of you go outside yeah, I need two of you <laughs> children right the dogs clean up on the floor so maybe i want to keep them inside yeah, that's right. but um yeah so that's just to say there's chaos all around and it makes sense why you might be overwhelmed as a parent absolutely mm-hmm. all right so what are what are some things um 
that are different, I guess. We'll get into kind of a little bit of discipleship. And as a parent, when it comes to discipline, meaning discipleship, meaning teaching, mm-hmm. what are some things that are maybe different from a Christian worldview? How to, how to talk about this. Let's see. Let's break down what we mean by that and then okay. what's different from the world. So I'll help you out with it. <laughs> Thanks. You're going to kind of lead it. <laughs> You're like, I'm thinking this through as I say it. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I mean is, is as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, that's so hard. Because I think, again, like it, it goes back. Weighty. Well, yeah. Well, it goes back to this idea of like discipleship and Christian parenting in general. Mm-hmm. Because it's like so much of what we've learned as young adults and young parents is it's only this thing. And what we're trying to show people is that mm-hmm. it's all of this attaching and attuning and right. connecting. And so when Jesus, I think, was talking about children and dealing with children, um, he was encompassing all that we're talking about. Right. We're, we only talk about it from a behavior standpoint. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so God, I mean, ultimately the gospel says our behaviors are not what God cares about as much as that our heart, our heart posture. Right. And what flows out of the heart. Yes. You see in the behaviors. Yeah. Right. And so when we see our kids, it's like, well, what's, we have to go, these behaviors are reflective of their heart posture. Mm-hmm. But as a three-year-old, as a five-year-old, as a seven-year-old, as a 10-year-old, Mm-hmm. Can I expect their heart posture to be a, a fully developed, mature, right. spiritual, sacrificial, selfless thing? No. No. Yeah. If they're doing it more than half the time, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Right. Yeah. Even as you're saying that, it's kind of like, yeah, that's kind of actually a rewired my own brain. I'm like, you're right. And how God approaches us is just like, I was even texting my mom last week. I'm really glad that, because she was sending me some really sweet things about how to like, kind of come before the Lord, like Abba Father and like how he cares for us. And, you know, I don't, as we wait for things on him and, um, I said, I'm really glad that he doesn't turn around saying I'm working on it, (laughs) which is what I feel like I do to my kids. I'm like, I am working on it. If you would just trust me for a minute. And I feel like he's so much sweeter in that, Mm -hmm. you know, he's like, I got this. I don't feel like, I don't picture him being frustrated that I'm questioning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, but yet, I mean, granted, I don't ask all the, I mean, I do ask all the why questions. It's just not. Over and over and over and over again. Why God? Why God? Why God? <laughs> I did that to my daughter last night. She smiled at me. Didn't phase her. She don't like, care. No. I was like, I just want you to taste of your own medicine. Um, but how God just responds to us, I think, helps us know how to respond to our kids. Of just this idea of, okay, can I slow down enough just to kind of see where you are, how you're doing, how, you know, how can I lead you in this? Mm-hmm. And you can trust me. Well, yeah, because God is fully regulated. Right. He doesn't need anything. Mm-hmm. And I think I, uh, that's what we have to learn as parents is God, <clears throat> God has given us the ability to connect with him, connect with our spouses, connect with other people, connect with the Holy Spirit in order to know that we're loved, know that we're safe mm-hmm. and be secure in that. Right. And the more we walk in that peace and that understanding, the outpour of our own behaviors and actions is going to be to our kids. Right. But when we're, when we're, misbehaving when Mm -hmm. we're yelling when we're frustrated when we're short when we're wanting them to just shut up and leave us alone Mm -hmm. it's because of something going on in our own heart Mm -hmm. and if we if we don't realize that man i'm trying to get my kid to behave so i feel okay right we're going to be dead in the water yeah that's actually kind of a scary place to be in some ways of like you know if our kid misbehaves especially like in a school setting and I've even thought like, whoa, I was worried about how I was going to be viewed in that. I wasn't worried about my kid. I mean, I was to an extent, but I was like, you know, I was realizing it said more about me. And so I think that even church. 
Yeah. Or it's like, we have the obedient kid. We have yes. the kid who listens. And, that means we're good parents. Yeah. That's exactly what you equate it with. And so, and not that you want your kid just like, you know, kicking the teacher and saying no, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? And so like there is middle <clears> ground <throat> there, but even if like you were to look at like our own spiritual lives, we would never expect any Christian to be where they needed to be in their Christian walk. Like, oh, you haven't arrived yet. Like God's like, you're not there yet. Well, not as a mature Christian anyway. Yeah. Not to be like, I can't believe what's wrong with you. Like, mm-hmm. get your crap together. Right. Like it's with our kids. So could we slow down and say, hey, you're learning. And yes, is it frustrating? Because we are human and it's going to take time for us to like slow down enough to understand the frustration in ourselves. But to not automatically assume that our kids are just willfully trying to do the opposite of everything we're doing. They do have that in them. They have sin. Mm-hmm. So there is a will. There's a, this is like, there's a will developing without a moral development right. there. That's Does good. that make sense? No, that's real good. So they ha- they do have pushback. So when your kid looks at you and does the opposite, that like <laughs> that is definitely their will. Um, I don't know if that moral sense can really be applied to it. Yeah, I would say biblically no, because you know <clears throat> it's kind of the conversation of do and it makes people mad, but it's it's kind of the conversation of do kids go to heaven when they die? Mm. And I think there's an age of accountability that mm-hmm. comes in. You know, David, King David, when he. Um, does what he does and his mm-hmm. his son dies yeah it says that he will see his son in eternity in heaven mm-hmm. and so we have these kind of concepts that there you know there's not a moral choice in denying god and being quote-unquote disobedient right. until you can know that you're doing right. it right so there is some developmental connection for each individual it's different i think but kid if they don't know any better yes mm-hmm. they're sinful and yes their their base is mm-hmm. sin but their accountability and what they have to pay for that is different. Right. Right. Um, so to kind of go back to your, does that make sense? No, it does. I mean, cause even put in that context, everybody was like, Oh, well, of course not. Like, of course they wouldn't have a sense of being able to accept Jesus. Right. Like, of course they would go to heaven, you know? <clears throat> so, but we're, we would be quick to say that, but we're quick to say they meant they shouldn't have touched the candle that was on the table for the 20th time. Yeah. <laughs> and know? so I think as to go back to your question of like, from a Christian perspective, you're bringing in a lot of different layers to it in some good ways. But it's almost coming back to why do we want these things for our kids? So like, why do we, why do we bring scripture in? Why do we bring them to church? Why do we want them to behave towards people? It's like I was telling clients, some parents yesterday, like, you know, you want your kids to listen to their teachers because their teachers care about them, not because they're just a teacher. Yes. They want what's best for you. Hopefully, not every adult does. Yeah. So do you? Okay. So do you want them to care for their teachers if they don't know what's best for them? No. Mm-mm. And I want my kid to be able to discern that mm-hmm. yeah. as they go through life. Right. I don't want them to be blindly obedient right. to adults or parents or mm-hmm. teachers and just trust everything they do. Right. I want them to be able to understand that. Mm-hmm. But they cannot do that mm-hmm. under seven, under eight, right. under nine. Right. And so it's our job to be involved in those relationships, to be connected to those relationships, and for mm-hmm. us to regulate the safety of those mm-hmm. people Right. And then, yes, if we know they're safe, we expect our kids to trust. Right. But they can't blindly trust. Mm -mm. And so there's this like dance and navigation Mm -hmm. through that where it's us still being heavily involved in everything Mm -hmm. and helping them co-regulate and helping them find safety. Right. Yeah. And that, you know, mom and dad can be trusted. Yes. So if, if they're trusting the adults right there, you know then I can also trust. And that means that we can respect them mm-hmm. and listen to them, but it's okay for them to ask questions. It's okay for them to, you know, to yes. like, so just those things that <clears throat> think, you know, do we have our kids, rem- you know, memorize scripture? Cause it looks good. 
you know, to do that or because it's really going to be something that takes hold of their heart. Yeah. So that whenever they are out in a world that does not believe in who God is, that that's what will come up, that they will come up against things. Yeah. We talk about doing the right thing all the time when you're not being seen. Yeah. You know, that's a big thing we're talking about right now with Grady. Like Mm. we don't want, I don't want you to just do the right thing because it's the right thing Mm -hmm. because the behavior's right. Right. I want you to do it because it makes you feel good Mm -hmm. and you know in your heart that it's the right thing. Right. And that you're pleasing God when you do it. Mm -hmm. You're God's pleased with you anyway. Right. He's not disappointed in you if you mess up. Mm -hmm. However, by doing these behaviors, and loving other people, mm-hmm. you're doing things that make the world better. Right, right. And so that that's a way better reason than just because I said so. Oh, yeah. Which but you I have to have, have that conversation a hundred times. Yeah, which I have said just because I said so. <clears throat> oh, I mean, yeah. you do reach your limit. Definitely. <laughs> of, I've said it this week. I'm like, unless I go into the anatomical parts of why this is happening, I can't yeah, <laughs> yeah. explain this to you any further. That's right. Um, so I, I'm not sure that fully kind of answered your question. You were answering it too, though, in the middle of it. Just like as Christian parents, I, you know, I think our own walk with the Lord, as we were saying about our own stuff, is reflected in how we also got our kids in it. And so how are all those things coming together to produce integrative kids who know we want to listen to God because of who he is and how he cares for us, not because you just do it. Yeah. And we go to church just because. And I think that that's a little bit of a shift. I've noticed, I'm hoping that there's a shift in our culture and how we talk about that. I don't think we have the luxury anymore to just say because anymore. Yeah. Like, I think we're actually going to have to stand up for like, no, we're doing this for these reasons because not everybody's a Christian anymore. No, for sure. And I think, and even the people who say, who would say on a, you know, a checklist, I am a Christian, Mm -hmm. you know, what's the fruit look like in their life and Mm -hmm. how's that different from the world? Mm -hmm. And we've got to be very different. Mm -hmm. We've got to do things very different. We've got to parent different. Our kids have to look different. Their responses have to be different. And that's not just in a, I'm behaving well kind of way. Right. Yeah. It's like you said, an outflowing of your heart to say like, this is, you know, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing to understand that part. You know, and I, I want, I hate to say God is a resource for my kids, but I want them to know to go to him. Oh, a hundred percent. I tell Grady and I hate, I I love doing it now. I hated doing it in the beginning, but at night, you know, we'll lay there and I'll say, you you know, I love you so much. And he's like, I love you more. And I'm like, that's impossible. We say the same thing. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, it's not. And I'm like, yes, you'll understand one day when you have a kid, Mm -hmm. you know, that you can't love me more than I love you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I'm, and then I say, you know, who loves you more? Mm -hmm. And he'll say, God, Jesus, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'll say, what does that mean? And we talk through it. But I want, I want if I die tomorrow in a you know, car wreck, <clears throat> for him to know that there's something bigger than me. You know that, right. that my goal for him is not to make good grades, to perform, to you mm-hmm. know work a certain job, to become a counselor. To like mm-hmm. that's not my ideal for him. My ideal right. for him is to chase Jesus, understand what that means, not mm-hmm. just this religious idea, but like how does that play into every facet? Right. You know, and so. Yeah. So with discipleship, what's that look like for you when it comes to teaching them about Jesus? Because growing up and in a lot of families, it's like we read the Bible, mm-hmm. we do a little Bible story, we go to church, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of it. And that's yeah. discipleship. Yeah. But what, what how do we integrate that into our parenting, into all this psychology and therapy and all this kind of stuff? a loaded question yeah. that I'm like, I don't probably do all of it. You know, if I'm being completely honest, well, I yeah. think, none of us do all of it. Well, I think that in general, like I'm still an autopilot with, they're still so young. I don't know how to bring those parts in. So like, you know, we pray before bed and we talk about God and kind of like, you know, we talk about if we're worried, can we pray? Can we ask God to help us? Um, but it's not like when she comes from, from church with like a, 
a piece of paper and I'm like, Hey, what did you learn? You know, we're not really diving into it. So mm-hmm. even as you're saying, I'm like, well, there's probably some pieces we could pick up. Yeah. That would be like, um, she knows I read my Bible. Like just things that she, like our kids will see us do. Yeah. Okay. And how do we engage with God? Um, but so, you know, it's a good question for me to think about Yeah. in terms of not really fully doing like, I know it's kind of part of who, what we do, but in terms of being very explicit with it, of like, this is why we're doing it. Um, and really fully talking about God is this idea of like, this is what he does and why we believe in him. Yeah. It's much harder. You know? I mean, yeah, you have three and a half year old, mm-hmm. you know, it's much harder. It's about the time to <clears throat> yeah. kind of get into it. Yeah. It's more of those things of she's just seeing it in our daily life, not because we've explicitly told her. Right. You know, but that also takes awareness. Like, I mean, for you to say that's like, okay, that's actually good for me to hear. It's like, okay, how do I slow down enough to really, how do we both Stephen and I like slow down and say, okay, this is what we would want you to learn. Cause we both have said, you know, from the beginning, our kids are going to learn about God from us primarily yeah. the church is a good support, but they're not who should, you know, like we don't send our kids to church and be like, well, I hope you got your daily dose yeah. <laughs> or like your weekly dose or whatever it is. Like it will be from us. Yeah. And so I think discipleship right now in our families, you know, we include her and I say her, like I don't have a second. <laughs> He's just so young. No, no. The baby. You'll do that for a long time. Right. You're like, Oh yeah. <laughs> There's that second one. I'm like, great. Uh, you know, when, when, when Grady gets older and we do this thing, I'm like, well, Jude will be literally 17 when he's 20. So it's not like he's going to be far by. Right. Like we forgot to pay, not, we pay for daycare. We forgot to sign the checks for daycare for Hayes. We're right. like, Oh yeah. He that got, one. <laughs> that one. Um, but I think even discipleship, I would say for us, I know this is going to probably be, it seems like they don't connect, but we include our kids in what's happening in our lives and tell them what's going on. So yeah. when hard things happen in our family, we include them in it and they don't understand it, but it's kind of like, and we can trust the Lord that he's going to take care of us. Yeah. But that's huge. You know? I think you're, I think you're minimizing that. That's I'm mm-hmm. saying those are in that age group, especially that is a huge thing to do is just God's got us. Mm-hmm. Who is God in these situations? How's the world work, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and help them to be involved in it. Their little brains, yeah. you know, at that age yeah. can understand it, but that's going to lead into, I guess, guess what I was focusing on and thinking about is what what I what I think we should be doing is just the daily ins and outs of life. Mm. In who are these friends at school? Yeah, you know, and if there's a bully or if there's somebody you don't like or if mm-hmm. there's somebody that's different than you, just constantly talking normally. Right. Like you would to anybody. I mean, hopefully yeah. like you would do your friends and your peers and your people at church and your Bible study. I mean, I guess this goes to the, the average maturity of just everybody. Right. But like we have to be teaching them about what would Jesus say about those things? Mm-hmm. Not from a behavioral focus. Right. Hey, don't say bad words. Hey, don't do these things. Right. But the why. Right. You know, in the, <clears throat> if somebody's mean at school mm-hmm. to be able to say, Hey, listen, that kid, right. The first couple hundred times mm-hmm. that kid doesn't have the same family we have and they might not have the same views that we have and mm-hmm. and they might not be learning all the things that you're learning mm-hmm. but what he does and says about you has nothing to do with who you are mm-hmm. he's having a bad day yeah you know how when we have a bad day we say things that we mm-hmm. shouldn't say have you ever said anything to daddy that you don't mean mm-hmm. you remember when you told daddy i hate you <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a bad like, do, daddy. Do you remember you that? Little, you know, like, you know, like, do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to flick his ear. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, it's like, do you remember that time, the hundredth time you told daddy, you know, you're not a good daddy because I didn't let you do this? Did you mean that? No. Mm-hmm. Well, why did you say that? Oh, well, I was upset. Yeah. Well, if we teach them to regulate, mm-hmm. well, if we're regulated right. and then we teach them to regulate and we give them over the course of two years old to three years old to five years old to seven years old, hundred 
language references and experience points and all these mm-hmm. things of going, oh, I know myself enough right. then I know other people. Yeah. And I think that's a huge part of what I want. And I know you know this because we talk about it all the time, but from a therapeutic standpoint, from a, from a church standpoint, from a parenting standpoint, <clears throat> if we understand our own story in the context of God and his grace and his mercy, then we can extend that to other people. Yeah. And we have to teach our kids that extremely early. Yeah. Even as you're saying, I'm like, oh, I do do that. Right. Like those are things I do. I and know you do that. But it's, but it's also one of those things, I mean, even for parents who are like, oh my gosh, am I not doing all the things? Like, you probably are. You know, I just think it takes, you know, the day-to-day is going so fast. It's like Isabella telling <clears> me <throat> she was noticing another girl had longer hair in her class or that she, told, she was told they're not her friend or something. You know, my first thought was, who do I call? Right. I'm like, nope, stay out of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, allow your kid to work it out. But it, it does, I mean, what you're saying is when they bring those things to us, how do we have those conversations with them that says, no, like you you're so great the way you are. Like, I know you're noticing somebody else has this and you kind of want that, but I love who you are, mm-hmm. you know, and I, th- just understanding their identity in it. Yeah. But then like you're saying, I mean, even that next level of even to understand from the other person's perspective. So how do we teach them even with their siblings? Like when she's like, he hit me, it's like, right. And it hurt. And I think it was an accident. You know how you have an accident. And so, but he's, you know, we'll still have him say, sorry, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, but leading them through that. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Like that's still the daily discipline. Right. And, it, and it's discipleship if you, if you tie it back to a biblical truth mm-hmm. or a biblical story or how God's given us grace or mercy. Right. Or even yeah. how, you know, I'll say, well, that, you know, I know that you were disobedient just now, but daddy's disobedient too. Right. And I was probably disobedient a few times today, you know, and I had to pray and I have to ask for forgiveness. Right. And I'm like, you're already forgiven. Grady and I have this conversation a lot. I'm like, Jesus already died. You already, you know, he, he asked for Christ to come into his heart last year and okay. you know we're still in that like uh, me and my other buddy it's the same kind of thing we're like is this real and I believe it is real <laughs> it's real but I believe it needs discipleship and and yeah. you know continued build on it yeah um, it's kind of like that that uh, the seed that lands on the, the sidewalk or in the thorns or in, in good ground like they would all take root if we do something with them mm. but if you don't do any the story is right. if you don't do anything with them and make sure they stay right. in the, the good they're not going to sprout right and that all that takes intentionality. Yes, and time and energy. Yeah. But, um, and I think it's easy, you know, if we were to pair with our culture, our culture is pretty zoned out. You know, all, we've all been on our phones, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, I love to monitor Stephen's phone intake. You know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. why are you on it? And not my own. But, like, you know, it's just easy to check out. I think as parents, we're like, we deserve this. Like, we're <clears> tired. <throat> oh, <laughs> and yeah. that's very true. But Or I was only on it for a few minutes. Yeah. Right. And so, but in some ways that to give some, really, this is like a plus for like the generations before so they didn't have all the distractions. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they may have been surviving, but they actually might've been better at just being aware of what was happening I think so. in front of them. And so for us, like, like you're saying, from a Christian perspective, how do we put down the distractions and be aware and intentional about the things going on and not just checked out to it and then really confused why our kids are so resentful of us yeah, in like th- 15 years. Yeah. The, well, the new stat is the average family, uh, is face to face with their kids less than five hours a week. Wow. And on a device, 16.3 mm-hmm. hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how are we connected and attuning and doing any of these things Mm-mm. if we're on our phone? Right. And that, that, I mean, it's easy. I do it too. I mean, I'll, I'll be on the couch looking at something while the kids are playing next to me or. Yeah. We're uh, like, Oh, they're, they're busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but they, but they know when you're not paying attention. Yeah. You know, they know when you have your phone in your hand, when you're not fully focused, when mm-hmm. you're not present. 
Right. So you have to learn to put this sucker in the in a closet somewhere, in a cabinet mm-hmm. somewhere, and leave it. Right. Well, and it's scary when your three-year-old asks for her fake self and that she wants to hold and look at while she watches a movie. I'm like, no. That's not how this works. Right. It's, even, it's fake. It's not real. But the fact that you've probably seen us do multiple things with electronics at the same time is a little alarming. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, um, it's just going to that takes a lot of work because there is an addictiveness to cell phones and to electronics, just all of it. Mm -hmm. And so can we kind of resist that and know we're doing this so we can create some really, um, really good relationship with our kids that will have long lasting effects, mental health wise, Mm -hmm. reduce anxiety, reduce depression, reduce, reduce like suicidal thoughts. When you're connected to people, it's just a lot harder. That's a man. That's just a great point. Mm -hmm. Again, when we look at teenagers and we look at our adult, the adult culture that we have, and we look at our suicide rates and our mental health issues and all the things that have snowballed and imploded in the last couple of years, and not just to, due to COVID, <clears throat> but before COVID, um, yeah, I mean that's part of what we do is is try to educate people on where that stuff comes from, mm-hmm. and it comes from not having attachment, not mm-hmm. feeling seen, not feeling known, not feeling heard. Right. Now, uh, the parents that are listening and you're going, oh God, I've screwed my kid up forever. Yeah. Like you, you haven't. haven't one. Well, you might have screwed them up royally, but you have the opportunity to like literally today to stop, pray, connect with yourself and figure out who you are and how this has happened and then make amends. Right. Right. It's in the repair. It's like, you know, I'm sure you tell couples this, like it's not the absence of conflict. Isn't the goal. Can you repair mm-hmm. the relationship? And like, that's what, like you're going to have ruptures in yep. relationships. And so can you, you know, repair those. And I think that that gives me a lot of relief as a parent. That's like, okay, I can screw up. Not that I'm going to try to, but I can come back and apologize for the things I've done and ask for forgiveness in it and teach my children what that looks like. And my husband, you know, like mm-hmm. all those are so good. Cause that just promotes that attachment. Um, but you know, just, we need other people. It's like in the brain research is another neuron will die off if it's not connected to another. Mm-hmm. We will die off if we're not connected to another. And so it's like that's, we look at our, going back to, it just kind of, I think, supports this idea of like, we're so confused to some extent. Like, why is there so much anxiety? Why is there so much depression? Why are, this, why are the suicide rates like they are? It's like, well, <laughs> you know, we're not connected. And we don't really know what true community looks like. Because do you know how many people, especially college age students I've come sit in my office that say, I can't, I don't want to tell my friends about this. Cause I don't want to be a burden. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what are we doing here then? Like literally what, what is our purpose here? If we're not to share our burdens with right. each other. And so, but our kids, like, I think that like you're saying that starts from a point of never our kids feeling like they're not too much. Yeah. I mean, we can't, we have to be so mature enough as adults to have our needs met by our community and the adults in our lives and our therapists and our pastor and all these kind of things that our kids learn from a very early age that their job is not to take care of our emotions. Mm -hmm. Their job is not to perform a certain way. So I'm proud of you. Their Mm -hmm. job is not to get good grades. So my anxiety and fear fall, you know, falls Mm -hmm. away, but that's how we parent a lot of times. And you have kids who are predispositioned to pick up, like who are going to be more aware of that. Right. You know, you have some who are going to be kind of like, well, it's whatever. Don't care. Right. But there's others who are going to take on your stuff because that's kind of how they're wired to an extent. But it takes a lot of active work as a parent to say, that's not your job. Mm -hmm. I have this, you know? And so, and that's, I think that, that teaching, you know? Absolutely. You know, you can relax. Yeah. And then model it so they can trust that. Right. You know, you can say stuff with your mouth all day long, but right. they're going to watch your feet. Right. They're going to watch what you do. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and so I think it takes that dance of using words, talking it out, but also Mm -hmm. following up and being consistent enough. Yeah. Not perfect, but consistent. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I think there's a statistic for good enough parenting. Yeah. It was like 30% of the time, 40%. I mean, it's a very low number of how often you need to respond to your kids in order to develop a secure attachment. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think it's a little higher than that, but I think it's seven, 70 or 80%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was a Which lot isn't better. hard. I mean, you, you know, that gives you, let's say, three times out of ten to kind of screw up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a good – it's not you're never going to yell. It's not you're never going to be frustrated. It's not you're never going to have your phone. But they need to be able to look at you seven out of ten times and know what to expect. Yeah, know how you're going to respond. Yeah, I think in adult relationships, it's like eight or nine – I think it's nine out of ten. Like in a, in a trusted adult relationship, you need to know what you're going to get out of somebody – nine out of ten times or you're not going to trust them and that's right that stat may be from our trauma and our history but it also kind of makes sense like i would hope in my marriage right i don't lie nine out of ten i hope i tell the truth ten out of ten times (laughs) right i hope i don't white lie ideally right and my wife's like does this look good on me i hope you know (laughs) like (laughs) right looks great i love your hair that way your new haircut's fantastic you know you don't you know what do you want to eat Oh, I want this. You don't even care. Right. Why'd you ask me? Right. You're going to pick whatever necklace you want to pick. Right. I don't know why. I gave why are we it doing this dance again? Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, so we, you, you hope when you look at it, it's like, why do we lowball it? Right. Why do we go, oh, man, I can be, I can lie four out of 10 times or I can be yeah. inconsistent. When I, when I hear that, even the statistic is not to lowball it, but to feel like there's not this pressure to perform 100% of the time. Yeah. You know, um, Thomas will reframe that. Yeah, I think you can take it one way of like, oh, well, that could get away with this much. Instead, but I kind of take that as more like, it's okay if it isn't perfect. Yeah. Because I think we do take, we, you know, our culture in general is like, if you mess up, you're kind of done. Mm-hmm. We don't have a very gracious no. culture. And so it's just this idea of you're allowed to mess up just like our, but if we can't allow ourselves to do that, how can we allow our kids to do that? And when we mess up, 100% of the time you need to be repairing. Mm-hmm. I guess that's yeah. what I would say. Yeah. I don't oh, really sure. care if it's six out of 10 or seven out of 10. Mm-hmm. What I care more about is when you screw up going back in there and making a mistake. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this, I think working with clients in my own therapy, a lot of times we will screw up with our kid. We'll lose our temper. We'll be lazy, whatever. And then we think of that moment that we remember from our childhood that was so terrible. And we're like, Oh, well, this was it. I did the thing. And now he's going to be in therapy talking about it or she's going to be in therapy talking about it forever. The difference is in my experience and in most of my clients' experiences, no, no one came back around and repaired that. And that's why I still remember it. Yeah. Because I'm in therapy having the therapist tell me that shouldn't have happened Mm -hmm. instead of a parent or an adult or Mm -hmm. whoever violated the situation, Mm -hmm. me having another memory of them saying, Oh, I let you watch that movie. I shouldn't have done that. Right. Oh, I yelled at you in that way. I, that was me. Yeah. Oh, I, you know. Nobody took ownership of their part in it. Yes. It all came back on you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Whether they meant that to be the case or not, right. without repairing, without being explicit, mm-hmm. my memory, I'm in therapy now, rewriting my brain, re- you know, reconnecting neuropathways, re-getting over my coping mechanisms because God has to repair it mm-hmm. or my wife is trying to repair it or friends in my life are trying to repair it through our relationships and our attachment. Mm-hmm. Instead of that caregiver, that person coming in and doing right. it immediately afterwards. Right. And I reflect back to the times I did have that. 
where my dad came in and apologized right. and it was like okay this is what and him saying i want you to even know how to do this when you do go to college and have a roommate that you know how to have conflict and yes. talk things through i remember having those conversations or mom whenever i was in high school and didn't know why i was crying for the however many time you know just because that's what happens when you're a teenage girl and having somebody sit with me in it and it wasn't like, oh, you're ridiculous. Get over this. Why mm -hmm. are you crying again? You know, but to have somebody do that. And so I think, you know, you have the flip side of it. Experiencing it helps you know how to do that with others. Yeah. Right. So now I have, so when I read things, when I'm like, oh, I have a memory of what that feels like. Yes. And so now I know how to put that into practice. I'm not like confused by it. Mm -hmm. But if you didn't know that, you know, you're not, I know we said this in the beginning, but it's kind of like, like you're saying, if you have the experience of when, it, how it didn't happen for you and how bad that felt, it takes work to redo that so then you can know how to do that with your kids Absolutely. or your wife yeah and, and my encouragement in that is when you screw up your kids are not going to remember it if you repair it mm -hmm. that's my whole point is like they might remember that you yelled that time or that you were late or that you forgot to pick them up or that you know whatever the thing is that happened <laughs> you forgot to pick them up yeah who, who knows or you know you're late to whatever you missed a game mm -hmm. but if you come in and you say explicitly here's why that happened i'm responsible for it this is what it doesn't say about you right then it might hurt their feelings and they may be disappointed, but they're not going to write a narrative right around it. Yes. Which, and that goes back to understanding the kid's brain and how they're trying to make sense of their world. And if nobody else makes sense of it for them, that they will, I know I said this earlier, but they'll draw their own conclusions. So it does come. And that's where shame comes in where shame says, Oh, it must be something about you mm -hmm. that came into it. And so we don't want to have our kids released to the world with these narratives of how they're the problem. They might have problems because they're human, but it's kind of like, let's help put some words to this so you're not trying to do this on your own because mm -hmm. you do it on your own is going to be a catastrophe right and we can again we can sh walk that back to mm -hmm. god walk that back to us walk that back to when i want what i want mm -hmm. when i want to do what i want how's mm -hmm. that go right not well yeah i asked grady that or jude jude yesterday i was like how, how you know you wanted to do this I remember that we were mm -hmm. laughing because i kept saying like a bunch of things but he was like i want to i want right. to do this i'm like Daddy's job is to, to tell you no about things that you don't know. Right. You know, you would not wear pants outside and it's 30 degrees. You would not feed yourself. Mm -hmm. You would not go to sleep. You'd stay up all night. You would eat lots of candy and your belly'd hurt. And we're all just laughing in the bed talking about it yesterday or mm -hmm. the day before. But like <clears throat> that they, they need to hear that. Not from a shaming standpoint, mm -hmm. but as a reminder. I'll ask him who you know, when Grady's really arguing, I'm like, Okay, bud, who do you think knows better? Let's think about this. Do you know better or does daddy? And he'll just have this look on his face like, you. He's like mad about <laughs> right, it. Right, but he knows it's true. And I'm like, okay, can you trust me? Yeah. I know you think you want to do this. Mm -hmm. But I, I I, need you to trust me. I need you to trust that I know what's best for you. And it's my job to, to help right. you, to right. guide you, to shape you, to walk alongside it. And then sometimes I'm like, all right, I told you that four times. I'm not going to tell you again. Mm -hmm. And then bam, ah, you know, and it's like, okay. I, I love you. Come here. I'll console you. Right. I'll comfort you. I'm really sorry, man. That was really hurt. I know that was a bad choice. In the back here, like, I'm so sorry. You. Right. I want to say up front, didn't I just tell you not to do that? Mm -hmm. Nine times out of 10, I don't do that. But every once in a while, I'm like, bro, I just told you not to do that. Yeah. But I try to help. And then, you know, five minutes later, I'm like, okay, what did we learn? Right. Well, I thought I knew better and I tried it. And again, the more of those opportunities they have, the more they learn to trust you instead of themselves. And then as they get older, that, mm -hmm. that can shift and they can trust themselves more. Mm -hmm. And you can start to say when they're teenagers, Hey, no, nope, that's your decision, bud. Yeah. You know, you know, what's best for you. 
you know, if you, if you're going to stay up and not be able to take your test or you're going to stay up and be tired, like that's on you and you're going to have to reap those consequences. Yeah. I love natural consequences, Whew, man. That's another thing I think. So let's talk about that. We got like 10 minutes left. So we have this swing in culture of, um, zero parenting for so many years, right? Just right. the kids are there, they're surviving, they're just functioning. Mm-hmm. There's not real much entertainment in the world. I mean, I think people forget that, that 60 years ago. You're working on a farm. Yeah, like, or you're literally surviving mm-hmm. and you're going to sleep when the, the sun comes up mm-hmm. or when the sun goes down and you're getting up when the sun comes up. Yeah. You're going to school, you're coming home and playing like with sticks and like mm-hmm. little dominoes and whatever else like you literally have nothing else what is it ever people who listen who are older who are like why do they think that was my life <laughs> and are they going yes that wasn't yeah right, right literally dirt floors yeah you know i mean but that was maybe there's a small percentage of people where that wasn't the case but for the most mm-hmm. of them that was right in the 50s 60s and then all of a sudden with industrial revolution and technology and television and radio we for the first time ever we start getting entertained mm-hmm. yeah. and even when i was a kid i mean i'll be 40 next year be 39 on the 27th this month. I'm like, this is the last year. And then it's now I'm officially, officially there. Officially a dad. Um, officially a dad. Up at this point, you thought you were a baby. Yeah, like, for sure. I feel 22 all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a father. And I you're like back in college two years ago. You're right. Oh, definitely. Yeah, 1990 was only 10 years ago. Um, <clears throat> in my head. So, you know, we, we have this shift where all of a sudden, you know, entertainment's a big thing and you have the comfort and the time to do it. So then we started shifting. We have this history of people who have never been attached, never been attuned for the most part. And then we have the swing of helicopter parenting. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the hard thing where when people hear all this therapeutic talk and all this emotions and attachment, they're in a lot of people's instinct is to buck against that or push Mm -hmm. back against that and go, well, I don't want to create a bunch of weak minded. Well, part of me like pushes against it because I just, anything mainstream in our culture, I'm like, just right. rubs me the wrong way. Oh, 100% yeah. now. I mean, because they've triggered, you know, all these things have yeah. been co-opted. Well, people use them in everything. Exactly. It's like, well, it's not everywhere. You know, like, let's, yeah. you know, I'm still trying to even understand. It. I'm like, why does this make me so frustrated when I hear this? Right. Well, yeah, yeah. with trauma, it's like, yeah. okay, there are some things that are just part of life. They are traumatic. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the same thing as, like, almost dying. Right. 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 So you might have had some trauma uh, mm-hmm. of that person not being nice to you in line. Right. Or not calling you by whatever or doing whatever. Right. But depending on the person and their story is depending on how traumatic that really was. Right. Right. And so it's, yeah, anyway, we can get on a tangent about that. We don't have enough time. My point is, is that, uh, my point is, is that I want my kids to be anti-fragile. And what I mean by that is I don't want them to grow up thinking they're the center of the universe. Yeah. But I also want them to know to God, they are the center of the universe in the mm-hmm. sense that they are loved, they are valued, they are worthy, they are good enough. Yeah. Right. That he created them in his image because they're special and unique. Mm-hmm. At the same time, that's because of God's love for them. Right. Not <clears throat> them, not well, their ability. Right. And that, that truth is kind of what anchors you down to know what the Lord created you for. Right. So like, we're not here just to like for our own enjoyment I hate to say it that way. Like we're here to do something. Like what's our purpose? Yeah. We were created for something yes. and get to be a part of what God is doing yes. in that story. And so that's got to start early though, in our conversation with our kids. Yeah. Right. It's, um, to build the anti-fragility. Right. That is not all about you. No. And you're going to suffer. Right. And it's, a, uh, um, <laughs> we could go off on that because yeah. we've talked about that a lot because we, um, I, I know growing up for myself, it could be that's the idea is as Christians, we want to be as comfortable as possible. 
the idea of like God wants good things for us, which is true, but it didn't mean that things were not going to happen to us. Like we weren't meant to be comfortable. And so I get that makes a lot more sense. Just the idea of being anti-fragile of I can have hard things happen and not feel sorry for myself in it. Yeah. I can grieve it. I can be confused by it. It can even make you angry. It can produce a whole lot of things, but it's not like the woe is me. How could this happen to me? Yes. And it's like, well, the rest of the world suffers. Like we all do. Like you're, you're not a me, like this is not specific to you. So even our kids is like, yeah, this is going to hurt. And so, and I'll, and I'll grieve with you and I'll cry with you and I'll, right. I'll say, yes, this is not what God right. intended. But God I'll, did not intend you to be bullied. God mm-hmm. did not intend you to be abused. God did not intend mm-hmm. you to, to fail and to lose and all these right. things, but it's a part of life. And so what is, mm-hmm. how does that define you mm-hmm. and what is God doing in that? Right. And so when that bully is mean, that doesn't say anything about you, mm-hmm. but it also still hurts. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But now what? Yeah. Well, like, how do you go about, like, how do you rework? And there are some things where like, you literally have to change the situation. Yeah. You know, like if you are in, like you have a kid who's being bullied and it's just not going well and it's literally destroying kind of who they are. Mm-hmm. You speak the truth of like, Hey, this is not who you are, but also do we need to change something? Yeah. Do we, do we need to move schools if they're yeah. not going to adapt, if they're not going to do whatever? Yeah. But that's not the same thing as, your kid, <clears throat> somebody said, oh, I don't like your shirt. Mm-hmm. And now they're being bullied. Right. And I think that's what I mean. Like there's this, yeah, yeah, yeah. each situation is different. Yeah. And we've co-opted. And they said something that I'm offended by. And it's like, you didn't have to like it, but it doesn't mean that it needs to ruin your world. Right. <laughs> because of it. Because that's, that's yeah. saying that other people's opinions and other people's focus and other people's desires and likes and dislikes have mm-hmm. something to do with your identity. Right. And I think a strong part of parental discipleship as Christians in the world we live in is teaching them that external things do mm-hmm. not determine internal worth and value. Yeah. And you can not like that or not agree with it. And it doesn't have anything to do with you. Right. Because that also teaches them grace for that other person mm-hmm. that if they choose to do something we don't like, or they like a certain thing that we don't like, mm-hmm. or they say words we don't say, mm-hmm. their worth and value is not less than because of that. Right. And not every interaction they have is, <clears throat> is because of them. Right. They're not you the know, center of the universe. Well, I mean, well, even as therapists, we have yeah. to be aware of like, we may have transfers to the client who's putting stuff on us. I say we may feel like, oh, is this a reflection of me as a therapist? Absolutely. And it's like, no, that's them working through their own stuff. Yeah. If I'm here to be a part of that, great. And we will work through it together. But I don't need to walk out thinking I'm le- like, I need to go work on myself in some way. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, even like you're saying, how to help our kids. Like, it is not like this person. How can we understand, take a step back and say they may be struggling? Doesn't mean you have to take. Like there's, like you're saying, there's, a, and even helping them understand like there is one level that's just too much. Like mm-hmm. that is just cruel. It should not right. happen. And that's one thing. But also if you're hearing things you just don't like, how do we just kind of move on from that and just kind of understand that's where that person's at? Yeah, absolutely. And so how do we do that? And I think that just to kind of wrap up is mm-hmm. what I want parents to see is they have to be an active member in that relationship. They have to see yeah. their kid not as a thing to shape and mold and turn into which is partly part of it, but also a totally different person made by God Mm -hmm. with a totally different plan for their life, with an agenda that God's going to use, with a story that's supposed to be told, Mm -hmm. and how do we walk alongside them figuring out who they are Mm -hmm. instead of saying, well, you're going to be this way because you're a Davis. Right. You know, you're going to be this way because you're a Cortez. You're Mm going to be this way because you're, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, And that's how we are. Yeah, there's a lot of freedom there. Yeah. And, and I think to say it to, on the opposite <clears throat> end to say like, we're not going to mold you because of this It's because of who God is. Like we're going to get to see what his plan is for you. That's exciting. Yes. We, and we're going to walk alongside you in it. Yeah. And we're, and we're going to, you know, of course for a while be in charge, mm-hmm. but at the same time, as you get older, 
I have to prepare you to be in the world. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like people ask me this with technology. Well, how are they going to be 18, you know, and not know how to use a phone if I don't give it to them? They're pretty quick learners. Right. Well, but also, <laughs> but also like you don't have to go from no phone to phone. Right. You know, like there can be some accountability and some walking beside you. It's Very like all or nothing. you don't go from not driving a car ever to getting your license. Right. Right. There's practice. Yeah. There's like steps and practice and permits and accountability yeah. and, and trust built. And then you mm-hmm. still know they're going to screw it up and probably hit the pole in the parking lot. Right. Right. You know, you're not like, oh, you're a fantastic driver because you can do this. Same thing with their cell phone, you know, but it's the same thing with everything. Right. They're going to bully. They're going to push. They're going to hit. They're going to lie. They're going to be lazy. They're going to miss a test. Mm-hmm. They're going to procrastinate and put something off till the night before. Yes. You don't have and, to stay up and do it with them. No. And how we are is how they are in some ways. And so mm-hmm. we have to, um, we have to be able to understand that and to be able to, to not put all those expectations on ourselves and on them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem we've kind of pigeonholed ourselves into as a culture of parents, as Christians, is we haven't recovered from our own crap. Mm-hmm. We don't know how that crap is affecting us. Mm-hmm. And now we're replaying that out, either trying not to do what our parents did mm-hmm. with the arrogance of, I can't believe they did it, I won't do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Or we're doing the same things because we're attached in an unhealthy way to our parents and we're going, oh, I have to do everything that they did because right. I want them to still be proud of me. Right. Yeah. Those are literally the two options that end up happening if you don't understand your story. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for everybody out there listening, we encourage you to do some therapy, do some homework. If you're doing your own work, and a lot of you that listen to this podcast are, um, I did want to say that we uh, before we came on, we, we looked it up and we hit 30,000 downloads with our podcast. So thank you all for listening, um, for subscribing, for uh, leaving comments, for um, going and leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts. I, I read them. I appreciate all the feedback y'all give us for this thing. Um, I'm so thankful that we have the community we have with Mary Kate and the therapists over in Ruston and all of our therapists here in Shreveport and Bozier, our integrative wellness team, you know, all the stuff we've done this year um, that, that we've grown in. It, it comes from listeners and people following us and people liking and sharing our social media stuff and coming to speaking events and, um, and so we just hope this this podcast is encouraging and enriching to you as a parent, as a grandparent, as anybody working with kids, that it, it helps you understand them more. But ultimately, it it helps you understand who you are in Christ and who how God sees you. And so I think if we're always working from that, we don't want to focus on content and behavior, but we want to mm-hmm. you know focus on the root and, and really get into the whys of, uh, of how all this uh, works. So Mary Kate, I'm always fun to, I forgot we were doing the podcast, so. Uh, we just got into talking like we normally do about stuff. Right, right. Just going off on tangents. Absolutely. So hopefully this made sense to everybody. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> it felt like our normal phone call. Right, right, <coughs> right. Can you believe those kids? That's right. So, so I appreciate you coming. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Any closing thoughts, comments? Um, we didn't go over Christmas time. Oh, yeah. That's okay. Um, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's Christmas. If you're yeah. listening to this in the future, we hope Christmas 2021 <laughs> went well. We didn't have much for advice yeah, uh, for Christmas. Try to keep those schedules there. Maybe those, I'll do one next week. Right. Uh, after, <laughs> like, after, like, before yeah. like New Year's. Like, hey, uh, next year, maybe you can listen to this podcast. Right. But, uh, no, I'm, you know, y'all, parents, it's okay to be overwhelmed. It's okay to feel like you're losing it sometimes, but also get help if you need it. But um, get a good community around you. Absolutely. And, again, for Christmas, I will give one tip. Your kids, your kids just want you to be there and be connected and to see them and to be around them. Uh, they may act like they want the new tablet or the new phone or the new thing. Um, 
but that's just covering up, you know, their need for connection. So just make it intentional, make it prioritized that you spend some time with them. Um, they may act like they don't care, do some device free time over the holidays and really just do a trip, do a vacation, make a Walmart run or a target run, God forbid Walmart. Um, and you know, do whatever you have to do. So God bless you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for following us. Keep, keep it up. And, uh, I think we'll get back to full on weekly podcast starting in January. So thank you. Um, God bless and have a good end of the year. Merry Christmas. Happy new year. Peace out.